Hey everybody, it's Gordo here. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up, a uh, disclaimer, if you will. As you'll be able to tell by the introduction here, uh, edibles were consumed in the making of this particular episode, number 72. You can, you can take that with as many grains of salt as you wish. And uh, just keep that in mind, especially as we hit into the back nine of this particular episode. We appreciate your attention in this matter. Thank you for listening. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Liking your ice cream, by the way. I already had it. It was delicious. Well, best ice cream I ever had. Better than Needleman. We will see. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'll have to tell Granny you said that. Absolutely. We'll have to see how you feel about the ice cream. Forty-five minutes into the podcast, it's going to be crazy. Actually, <laughs> by the way, this episode of the podcast brought to you by Granny's Home Spun Cannabis Ice Cream Treats. Mm-hmm. You can't find them in stores. You can only find them. When you're a guest on the motherfucking <coughs> podcast. Grannies. Grannies. Home I found one. Treats. Gordo, you should see if Granny will do like a sponsorship deal with Granny Tweed. That's actually a really good idea. Grannies we, to Weed. Because we do have a new album coming out. And you got weed in your name. Yes. Actually, at the top of the episode, <coughs> let's get your plug <coughs> out of the way. Because let's get I my am, plug out of the way because I haven't done it. I am excited because <laughs> you haven't done it on a single episode. Uh, yeah, I yeah. haven't done it. And I just remember I, after every episode, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have said something about our album. <laughs> no, you know what, dude? I'm, <laughs> I'm ex- terrible at self-promotion. It's awful. I'm excited for you. And the press release came out. And OK, let's intro the show. And then we're going to talk about we're going to talk about your record real quick. So I mean, welcome. Just real quick. No, it's real it's, slow. It's a real. Let's talk. It's about like a it. blip on the radar. Real slow. Of a footnote of, of music. Uh, welcome to episode 72 of the motherfucking podcast. Hi, Mikey. <laughs> this is the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo. Motherfucking Ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm your host, Aaron Howell. And in the booth, as always, is... Gordo. Yeah, Gordo in the booth. And today we are joined in the studio by uh, a hell of a sweet guy, a good friend, and uh, a, a man with... To call his accent adorable would be a, l- a little patronizing, but it, it really is quite um, alluring, I think is the word. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Sensual. Uh, it is quite sensual. It is quite continental. <laughs> Anyways, uh, please welcome from uh, the Peruvian screeching weasel, <laughs> Los Brajeros. Please welcome uh, Ruben Patino to the show. Am I saying your last name right? Because I've never seen, said your last uh, name out loud. How did you say it? Patino? That's right. That's right? Okay. Yeah. Is it a Peruvian name? I don't think so. What, what, what's the origins of it? <clears throat> well, I don't know, but um, it sounded a little Italian, maybe. Patino? Patino? Maybe? No. Like, like um, 
Like when antiques get a patina on them? Sort of, but it has that little weird end with the little fucking deal on top. Oh, so is it is it Patino then? Right. So is it know pat- some shit? Patino? Patino, yeah. Yeah. So that's the real one. Okay. But so- there's no Enya here, so I just go by Patino. Uh, oh, okay. So your family name It's Patino. Is is Patino, but right. but it, you you spell it without the what is that called on the top? It, fuck, I don't know. Uh, but the whole letter. The little spaghetti on top. Right. The zoom yeah. out. The zoom out. <laughs> that just makes you say things real fast. Um, we are enjoying, as I mentioned, we are enjoying some of Granny's ice cream on this episode. It was by the, delicious. I by the way, I, I should let you know this ice cream is so strong. Oh, fuck. That Jake Fairley has eaten it twice and had to tap out of whatever his previous plans were. Like, okay, well, let's see. No social engagements, please. Oh, no. Dude, he was <clears throat> out of the office. He was supposed to come to the Judah show at the Bluebird, and he ate some of the ice cream, and he hit me up later, and he was like, dude, I am so sorry. I can't come to your show. I am too high to operate in the world. That, now, that I just ate, now and then. I just ate some, and I'm going to try and do a podcast. It's been a while. Man, you can really taste how strong that is. I know. Oh, yeah, taste the flavor. There's a lot in there. I may have made a bad it's a good, decision. It's a good flavor taste. We'll see how the podcast goes. I might just be screaming in my head the entire time, and the podcast will turn out fine. Okay, so first of all, I want to plug the record, Gordo, because you sent me the press release, which, by the way, I thought was a brilliantly written press release. I really loved it. Why don't you tell folks about the new Granny Tweed album first? Real quick, like, it's a new album from the band Granny Tweed. We do the angular shred from the shed, just like you like it. One of our fans said that uh, it can be described as minor threat for farm equipment enthusiasts. I like that. And you can find that album, 10 brand new fresh songs from the mind of myself and my buddies. At Sam Goody. Media Play. Sam Goody. Go to Musicland. Wherever fine cassettes are sold. And find it at Sound Warehouse. (laughs) Yes, um, you can find it at uh, gordophonicrecords.com. So it's out, out. Uh, it's it's available for pre-order. Okay, so it's not you haven't so put it not, up on the on the, the Spotify. We, we haven't done that. We're gonna do a physical release first, and then follow it up with a streaming release later. Cool. I hear that's you know, that's one way to do it. That's a thing I've heard in the industry. That's yeah. So that's that's what we're that's what we're doing. That's very exciting, man. There I love the album cover. Who did the album cover? Marilyn Garrett. Marilyn Garrett. Cool. Marilyn Garrett. Uh, Josh is keeping with his theme of not doing the art for his own album. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, an interesting choice, but yeah, one I respect because, you know, well, he does everything. Frankly, else his his art is is terrible. Yeah, God, it's awful. just it's really bad. It's like little stick drawings. I, I don't even like having the art on our posters, but you did, do what you got to do to placate the drummer. Did you see so. that uh, Jerry Jerry has been yeah Jerry has been <laughs> releasing singles um, online, like he's doing a solo project, Jerry Cass. That's cool, and he. Put out a notification to like stay tuned. He's using um, DistroKid, which I don't even know what that is. Right. Um, I assume it's kind of similar to Bandcamp. CD Baby 
kind of similar digital is that distribution. What it is? Yeah. Okay. Sim- distribution? Distri- I said distribution. Dude, distribution is like when you put out <laughs> an album. Uh-oh. It's like when you put out an album that nobody's going to listen to, but you're just doing it so you can like tell yourself that like you have an album out and like, hey, there's my album on Spotify. No one's listened to it, but I'm really want, just distrobating here. Does anyone want to yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much All being in a band in general is, is just distrobation. Yep. <laughs> it's totally, it's totally what I'm bands learned do. that today. <laughs> I've no, been but, calling it the wrong name for years, dude. Dude, distribution. Yeah. I think we just coined a phrase, and I think it's going to end up in in some CD baby blog next <clears throat> month. Well, yeah. Now you have to figure out a way to transition out of distribution. Yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not going to. Should be easy. Or uh, there's not going to be any attribution yeah. for us. <laughs> there's no listeners. Attribution. Yeah. There's not going to be any attribution. Attribution too is like making sure that your name is on something that's like never going to matter. Like the video we did with Billy Ray Cyrus. Like technically my name is on that, but it's really just attribution. <laughs> it's attribution. Yeah, it's like I get to go, ah, that's me. Ah. You know, I, I think there's this like assumption that like if your name is credited on something, it's like, well, it's very good for your resume. It's like your resume? Like who, who in the entertainment? Oh, they mean like your portfolio. Like you're going, like you're going around to like like perform shows or try and get signed by a label or something like that. And you're like handing the label a resume. It's Look like, at my resume. It's objective, like hardworking, fast paced, uh, energetic <laughs> server looking to play guitar on an album. Oh, look here. He helped to maximize outcomes <laughs> in 2014. I, I have so much contempt for the, the, the idea of a resume in the first place. You know what I mean? Because it's just like when people come bring a resume, it's like, I know you're full of shit because I know every resume that I've made has been full of shit. Well, even if it's even if it's all legit, it's usually full of shit. Right. Because right. like because that's the whole concept is that you're just you're writing down your accomplishments, but you're embellishing them in such a way that makes you sound super important and essential to operations. Right. And you're leaving out the part that says I have a mood disorder that causes me to be a total <laughs> prick every other day. Or That's I have a drinking problem that causes me to call into work anytime I have a hangover. That would be detracting from the idea of maximizing outcomes, yeah. Or or I like am like obsessed with my dog to the point that like I, I think of them as a child, but like more than most people think of their animals as a child. And like if my dog hasn't been let out it, it within a reasonable amount of time. I will leave in the middle of a shift to go let my dog out. Like those type of things never end up on a. Generally, resume. those mood disorders are. What you know, do you left think out. it would be like if you actually put that on there? See, I wonder if you presented it in a comical way. Like I did put, I put a thing on my resume, the last resume that I did. I don't know if anybody noticed it when I got hired at Fire on the Mountain. I don't know if they ever even read it all the way through. But I did put stuff on there like like some of my job, like my responsibilities at previous jobs were like corralling drunks and like negotiating, you know, like like conflict resolution between drunk people, like just things like that made little jokes. That's that's a creative way of saying what you actually did. Skills. Yeah. Yeah. Skills. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. That's a skill. So welcome to the podcast, everyone. Thanks to everybody who listened to the last episode of the podcast, episode 71 with Ben Hutcherson. That was a great episode. That was a great episode. I was super proud of it. And uh, Ben was super proud of it. 
and I've been getting a lot of feedback about it. I've been getting a lot of feedback about the Dave Sanchez episode. And and we just thought, you know, we were going on such a roll. Let's let's just dial it back a little bit and get Ruben in here and have a nice no pressure like no pressure. No pressure. Well, that means the pressure's on. The pressure is on. So please, uh, like, like I said, welcome to the show, Ruben Patino. Yay. All right. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I made the I made the comment of Los Percheros being like the Peruvian uh, screeching weasel. That just kind of popped into my head. But I've heard you guys refer to your influences as being like the queers, screeching weasel, Ramones, yeah. stuff like that. Tell me. Yeah. There's that 90s uh, like lookout sound that, you know. Totally. Of, is what mainly the bass player and I are a little older than my brother. So we have different type of influences in a way, you know, we were, I, I, I love the seventies rock and roll and punk rock, like, I don't know, whatever band, you know, undertones, uh, the jam. Whatever, right, right, you know, right, right. Johnny Thunders. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, things so like, like pre glam stuff, like yeah, the, the totally. New York heroin rock. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, that's more where I come from, um, and the bass player as well. But Felipe writes most of the songs, uh, and he's more into '90s punk, which I I am I love that too, you know. But I think as far as writing, that's where he comes from, right? And he write, he primarily writes. So. Oh yeah, he, him and the yeah the bass player has you know I think he's probably like a five to one ratio maybe you know if you will like you know he for every five songs he writes maybe george will write one or two okay so we get more from felipe because you know he plays a guitar i guess it's a little easier i don't know i don't write anything so as so. far as the general overall vibe of the band it's like really his personality and his tastes are, are primarily coming right. through with you guys kind of coloring it as well we kind of talked about it you know when when we started the band like what kind of sound and image we wanted to reflect and you know right. half you know and um uh we were all on board so uh i think uh but you know you still have your like your roots per se you know like what you always listen to and that comes it, it's like actually translates through music it's going to come through whether right. you do it deliberately or it's not it's like talking with your rather than using your mouth you're using your guitar right so it's going to come out like that so but i like i like what where he's headed you know it's a, we try to keep it I try to keep the drums very simple, as simple as possible, like Ramon style, you know. Four on the floor, just like that's it, boom dude. check. And every time I take a part out of that drum set, away from the drum set, I get happier because it's less <laughs> shit I got to hold every how many pi- How many pieces are you playing with on your kit Well, right now, right now I still have like, um, what is that, four-piece drum kit and, you know, two crash cymbals and... Uh, Right and hi hat, so I don't know how many pieces that is. It's a quick math, you know. But you could do, you could something. start doing the the stray cats, the know, the the three piece. What was that like a a ride, a snare? Oh, the the cocktail kit. The cocktail. Oh shit, kit. no, that doesn't even have a fucking bass drum, does it? it no, does, it does. But you have to stand up. It's like yeah, it's yeah. like you're standing and playing. See, and bass I don't like drum. standing necessarily. It's super hard. Yeah, like it's yeah. I I've tried that. Yeah. It's it's not easy. So this last tour we did, I took out the rack tom. Which I never use anyway. I, right. you know, I, I only use it for like the when I'm done playing, like I just do some crazy shit just because that's what everybody else does. You want to play around. Yeah. So you don't need it for the actual I stuff. I took that fucker out and then I took one of the crashes out and it was so much easier, so much simple and so much fucking cooler. You right, know? right, right. Uh, so, But I think I'm going to leave him 
on just because they also look cool. So I'm kind of like, you know, I'm in that fucking deal where I don't know what to do. So why don't why don't you tell us <clears throat> like for people who don't know Los Percheros because mm -hmm. you guys are still pretty new. You guys are only a oh, couple yeah. of years old, That's right? It. Yeah. How long have you guys been around now? Couple of years. Couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know you, mm -hmm. give kind of the 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 wick of the Wikipedia summary oh, of who Los Percheros okay. is like like ex explain to me who you guys are sure. what you're about you know it, 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 explain the music we're gonna listen to some here in a little bit mm -hmm. and I just kind of want to know where you guys come from and yeah. and and what your career has been like up to this point tell me a little bit about it well it's essentially starts back in 1996. It's when I joined this band back home in Peru. And, uh, it, you know, it's a pretty established band at the time. So it was kind of nice not to have to not have to work too hard, you know, like. So you were you were in like a, a fairly established, well-known band in Peru. Yeah, they did some touring, you know, I have records out, you know, like they were a, a few steps ahead of where I was. I was only 16 years old when I joined. Right, right, so, right. As soon as I joined, you know, we had, you know, I had uh, to go to recording studios, you know, and like get out of town, play shows. And it was hard because um, I was underage. So, you know, I had to miss school and I had to, you know, we had shows during the week and things like that. So I was always in bars. Right. And, uh, and you know how that is, you know, like you start. How's the, how's the law different in, in Peru with It's 18. You know, rather than 21. Okay, when, so you got to be 18 to be right, in a bar, but so, you were 16. So I was only a few years, so it was kind of easier in a way because, you know, we're also talking 1990s. You know, you're getting away with a lot of shit. Right. <clears throat> um, never had a fake idea. I just kind of somehow worked my way into the venue. Right. And a lot of times I go with the guys, so they just assume I was old enough. Right. Uh, but the hardest part was tour because uh, when we got out, you know, international tours, I had to have a like some sort of permit from my parents to be able to leave the country without them. Right. And, and, and down and near and near and around Peru, oh, you're yeah. like going into different countries yeah, you rather got a than fucking just going Peruvian into different states. Passport dude is the worst you can have in your pocket. Cause they're like, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. how much cocaine are you bringing? Kid? Right. They thought that you were you a 16 year old know? Coke oh, mule. Yeah, totally. Really? Absolutely. You know, so there you go through all your shit. You know? Right. So what did you have to get from your parents? Like there's some sort of permit. It's just like a, it's just like a letter essentially. And it's signed by a, like a notary. And then you go with your fucking passport in that thing to the fucking all the way to the gate. Right. You know? And uh, can you travel pretty freely from country to country? Like, uh, like yeah, I mean, I, well, now I have like an American passport. So so I, you can I mean, can you go in? I mean, but that's that's kind of what I'm wondering. Is it yeah. like is it pretty easy to get around down there uh, in Peru? Yeah. Uh, well, there really, you know, there is not a whole lot of places to go when you're a 16 year old kid. The place in the punk band. Right. Right. Except right. for like Lima, which I, I already was in. So uh, and that's I, where you grew up was Lima. Peru. Yeah. Cool. So I guess it is somewhat easy because, you know, there. There were, everything was like either airplanes or fuck like you know you go you go through the atlantic ocean or some shit like that you know to like or, or pacific or whatever if we're going to argentina or something you know typically our tours were like chile we start in chile because it's just south so we'll, we'll start in lima you know then we move to chile and then we then from there we kind of pick and see what was available at the time to book shows so Mainly it was Argentina and Uruguay. So we went to Uruguay first. Okay. And catch this little 
like fuck, dude. It's like a cruise. But we're on the fucking broke-ass fucking section. <laughs> but what was cool is in order to get to, the last time we did this, I mean, I was a fucking kid, but you have to go through the fucking, like the, you know, uh, first class, VIP, whatever the fuck they would call it. Right, right, right. So you go through the whole thing, dude. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's like, I don't know. You know, like some shit you see that like in the Titanic or something. Yeah, yeah, really, like, really rich You people. know, really fucking rad. And I'm like, why are we even fucking here? Right. Know, he's like, oh no, you guys aren't here. You guys you are like on the steerage yeah, floor and like stuff fucking, like that. You know, wow. <laughs> rowing the boat. <laughs> the fucking coal room, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking moving the boat. It's man. like, okay, you get done playing your show and then you got to go shovel coal <laughs> and yeah. then you've got to go uh, do cocktail yeah. service up at dinner. And I remember the last time we did that, dude, it was fucking cold. It was cold as fuck. Because it gets cold in Peru, like down, yeah, down there in the. We, we, give we, me a quick, give me a quick yeah. geography lesson, by the way. Like, because I'm like. Drawing a blank on where so Peru, Peru is, is in the what continent. What is really cool. Okay, so we're next to Brazil on the west side of Brazil. Okay, you're on the west side of right. Brazil. Okay. Right next to Brazil. So the northwestern part of, of Argentina of South and Chile and below Venezuela and Colombia. Okay. So okay. we're like and right next to the Pacific Ocean. Okay. And that's what makes Peru really cool is because you are right next to the Pacific. So you have from the top to the bottom of the country. It's all different kinds of, you know, like there's beaches everywhere, you know. Beaches. beaches. There are beaches everywhere. Not beaches. There are also beaches everywhere too. But beaches and beaches. That's right. So you get and you get both. In Sometimes the at the same time. Yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah, beaches, yeah. Beaches on the beaches. So okay. So when you're saying you had to fly out, so were you doing a lot of like flying from Peru down to Argentina and Chile? Yeah, it's just uh, it just ends up being more cost efficient that way because there's nothing really in between to go play or what? Uh, yeah. There. I mean, back in the '90s, there were. Yeah. Lima was like the only thing, the only place to play really in the whole entire country. Wow. You know, even though there's like, I think, 11 regions or 22 departments. So you're not going to jump in a van and go like touring you wouldn't the have South a, American You wouldn't have continent. a venue to go to to play punk music. Right. You'd, be, you'd be driving through like a jungle through like. Well, a, not necessarily. A, you know, you can. I mean, you can, you know, but but yeah, imagine something like that. You know, you go to like towards Brazil and you get into this little fucking jungle. And you're gonna go play punk rock, right? Would, you wouldn't even find a bar to play with, right? To play in, you know? maybe in Rio, right? Just like well, or yeah, like Sao Paulo. But now you're or already, like yeah. But now you're already crossing a fucking border. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, so now there's the whole hassle that right, goes. With so that. well, yeah. So at the, it was way easier because driving to like let's say Brazil will take a fucking long time. It's it's a huge yeah. country. So you just gotta fly, you know. Okay. It, it's just the most viable way in South America. So are you just using other bands' gear, like other punk bands? That yeah, are like well, we usually when we book, we try to book everything with a with uh, transportation. And you don't have now? Do you have email at this point? Like no, in the, this in the is mid-90s? all being done over phone. So you're just, just calling on the telephone phone, yeah. to Call to on the telephone. Uh, there was already like email. You know? Right, and book your own fucking life. Did did that exist down there? Or did you guys have a network or anything? Where oh yeah, you can- we had a. There, it's it's just like it's here. You know, like every punk band, you know, from different countries are like somehow connected. Right. So, uh, you know, hey, you know, write a letter, email. I had your record. You know, we're gonna come through your town. Is there a way you can help us? Maybe by uh, finding a promoter. That right. can put us up and do the show and get this backline, or by using all your shit and staying at your mom's house, because that's most likely what it was going to be like. It's, it's the same as it is up here, just yeah. like a little more yeah. sprawled out and, and, and a little more basic in a way. Right, yeah, a right. Less uh, here, right a now, less organized. Just, right, maybe. right now it's just so organized. This is crazy. Like how quick you can book something. 
uh, sort of, you know. Right, but, right, right. Um, I mean, it's all relative. Right. You know. So that's so so. This is that band. This is that band that I joined in 1996. Right, right, right. What was the name of that band? The, the name is Futuro Incierto. Can with, you find anything? For, oh yeah. Futu- yeah. Say it again one more time. It's uh, Futuro Incierto. Futuro Incierto. Yeah, which means, goddamn, you have a really sexy accent too, dude. Oh, thank you. It's amazing. Yeah, it's Colorado, oh, southwestern yeah. Colorado, <laughs> Denver. But anyhow, dude. So, it it, it means uncertain future. Oh, cool. So, so I, I was in that band, and then uh, so that bass player in that band is the same dude that plays with Bricheros. Oh. So, you know, so I've known him since I was 16 years old. I'm fucking 39, you know, so it's- Did he come to the States at a different time? He lives time in Hollywood. Uh, almost at the same time. He was just on the, he was first in Maryland. Okay. And then he lived in DC for a little bit. And he lives in Hollywood now. Now he lives in LA. And so you guys do like this as a, like a correspondence project. Uh, yeah, I mean, we st- he comes to Denver a lot. Yeah. He's always here. I mean, know. it's so easy to travel anymore. Yeah, yeah, you, know, exactly. you, can, you can get a ticket on Spirit Airlines for yeah. like 70 bucks. Exactly. So it's just like fucking cheaper than driving yeah. to Centennial from downtown, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking cool. Um, so tell, he, me, tell, me, tell me a little bit more about like, yeah, I want to I hear a little bit more about you guys playing in this okay. band because, man, I'm, I'm well, fascinated yeah. so, about this South American touring thing. It, it, was, really, it was really a rough time. It, it, you know, we, we had a like a military government during the 70s. And by the 80s, it, you know, they opened the borders again so you could bring, right. t- you know, but for a long time, you couldn't go and buy like a Gibson guitar or like a Pearl drum set or, you know, anything like that. You will use essentially what was there. Because there was trade embargoes or, too, or, yeah. or what, well, what we was were, it that was keeping when you, you from have getting a, access When you this? have a, a, a military government, you set your country back so many years. Right. So, you know, we were, even though it was the 90s, we were still living like it was the fucking 70s in Peru. It's kind of I mean? like, um, like how Spain is still trying to get back from, right. you know, having a dictator in you, the 70s. You, yeah, you, you go back so fucking much then to try to get cut up is just so fucking hard. Right. You know, because uh, you have to, it's more than double the work. It's right. Like, it, you know, it's because like, you're not, you're not yeah, developing it's, it's at more the same than rate. You put, yeah, it's more than what you can actually do, but you, you still try because you, you know, I mean, you're a kid wanting to play rock and roll and you do get cable TV, you know, like the internet is almost being a thing, you know, even though it's been out for years and still, you know, like now we're, it's getting to people's homes and shit. So we're, you know, we're seeing all these things, and I'm like, when the, how the fuck do we do this? And what year were you born? Uh, eighty. So you were born in eighty. So you were born at the end of the the the, the reign of the military government, or you were? Yeah, I was. Still, I was already was on a democratic. So it was still yeah. a democrat. It was a democratic yeah, republic. It, Is that what Peru was? Uh, dude, it's hard to label it anymore. Is that what you would call it, Gordo? You might know better than I would. I think it's democratic because it gets chosen by a majority. Right, right, right. You know yeah, what I mean? The, but yeah, as far as like... Democracy. It is a democracy, but I don't really know. I mean, they were so corrupt. Right. That Even the democratic government was all super of them. corrupt. Every yeah. single president Every that we had is, since yeah. I remember has been a total fucking asshole. Right. And done everything to... Yeah, I mean, we're... We, we, he fucked us all, you know, like we were fucked. Like it was technically on paper a democracy, yeah. but you might as well just have. And, a, and they blind you, you know. I mean, like, it, it was so easy to control a smaller group of people. Like if you think, like you know, elections in America. I mean, there's so many millions of people here, but in Peru, it's so much. It's so much smaller than when you have a good 
like I would say a good campaign, but it's not really what it is. It's like how you're gonna brainwash these these people. You know, you come up with cool shit, whatever, like that you know is it, it invites people to like you in a way, mm -hmm. you're gonna get the votes because right. we don't have more information to uh to be able to analyze and like really investigate what the fuck these guys are all it's about. It's a lot easier yeah. to create like the cult of personality, right. so, like hucksterism. So they type fucking of stuff. hook you almost immediately. Right. And once they are on power, dude, like <laughs> fuck it. It's, it's hard to get rid of them. Well, not only that, but it's also like all the promises are fucking, you know, nothing. Don't mean anything. Are there term limits in uh, in Peru? Yeah, like, they think it, there was everything there. The problem is like nobody really respected anything. Like it, it just fucking ended up being like if I have enough money to buy my way out of whatever situation I'm in. Right. I'm totally going to do that. Right. And uh, and that's how it's always been. So who know? was the president of Peru in 80 no. when you uh, were? When in you were a kid, eighty, we had was Nor was Noriega in Peru. No, that's uh, Paraguay. That's Paraguay. Yeah, okay. Pablo Noriega. I think okay. it's Paraguay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So who was? But there was there was like a famous Peruvian like. Well, there was Fujimori, was probably the most famous one. Okay. Which he, in all reality, should have never been the president because he was not a, a Peruvian. <laughs> yeah. He was Japanese. He was Japanese. Yeah. That's and, crazy. Uh, but it's crazy. He had lasted two periods. And it's crazy two, how like two full terms, two full terms. Okay, his daughter tried to get elected for president, dude. And it's crazy how much money they used, what they did with the media. I mean, like I can go on like ten podcasts of this, dude, and I still wouldn't even be telling you half of it. Right, right, you right. Know, because everything was, it was like a mafia, dude, and it was all run by this guy Fujimori with his main dude, which is uh, his name is Montesinos. His last name is Montesinos, and he was a. Uh, uh, chief in the fucking like an army super fucking rock right. star dude you know like very intelligent very so like smart. the military influence never went away oh no it was it there was, it's still like, like influencing hand, dude they just knew the people were gonna re revolt probably but we're talking killings of thousands of fucking peruvians holy shit um we're talking blackmailing. We're talking drugs yeah uh deals with uh, terrorists and fucking selling property like we don't own our airport. I think it's owned by the Germans. Our, our international airport in right. Peru is not owned by Peruvians. It, when it was, it was, a, it was a fucking mess, you know, but they sold that. Can you believe, like, it, it's like someone sells DIA to fucking Russia. Right. You know, how can you sell a piece of land That's to someone that's in fucking crazy, dude. Th there yeah. was, do you guys, do you guys remember? It got sold, dude, the airport, the fucking power fucking company. Um, what else? The telephone company. It was fucking now we're owned by, I think, Chileans or something. I don't wow. even fucking know anymore. Really? Oh, dude, it's fucking gnarly. They saw highways. They fucking, um, there's a really cool, so, you know, Machu Picchu is one of the seven wonders. It's in right, Peru. Right, 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 right. There's this super fucking rad hotel. And they're using water pulled from the ruins of Machu Picchu that, you know, I don't know if it snows and melts and what the fuck it does, but it, it, it was it was meant to be used for irrigation during the Inca period. And this, this, and that. These motherfuckers, dude, are fucking using that water for their hotel. So when, <laughs> you, when you go and tell them, why in the fuck will you be doing something like that, that you were going to run out? They're like, you, you don't own this. Does everybody have clean drinking water in Peru? Like, yeah, what's, what's I the, wouldn't what's drink level, it. What's but, the level of poverty like in Peru? Um, well, you know, it's changed. Like, do they it's have, act, like, does Peru, and you'll have to forgive my ignorance here, but mm -hmm. does, is, is Peru, does Peru have access to, like, like, 
universally, do they have access to sanitation so, and, and clean so water? Lima, it's a very modern city. It's always been. Right, since, right. You know, like, it, I mean, uh, Lima was founded in like the 1500s by the Spaniards. Okay. So everything got to so Lima. So it's, it's, been, around, it's yeah. been around longer than So, you know, we always had like, you know, sewer and shit. Now, how the principle of the sewer, like, let's just talk about sewer just for that. Okay. For, you know, so we had the sewer plumb perfectly. But where was the sewer going? That was the fucking thing. Right, right. So these fools are dumping the sewer in the ocean because they think, well, look at this big ass pond. They're right, like, we right. will never contaminate this shit. Right. But you will have to go so fucking far out in order to, and not that that's the, what you want to do anyway, you know, but for years they dumped the sewer in the ocean. We'd made it, it contaminated the ocean. Wow. You know, like the entire coast of Lima was contaminated. The, the fucking like water you was You brown. can't swim in it. You can't. Oh, do it. no, it would have been terrible to go in there. So has it, have they cleaned that up at all? Like, is it, it is it habitable? When now? they fixed all this shit, yeah. After several years, it kind of like I would, you know, it didn't get cleaned up, but it kind of regenerated in a way. Well, like because you guys had a military kinda, government, you were behind on infrastructure. Fuck, we were well. behind everything, dude. Like, you know, I don't. I think like the first light rail sort of thing uh, started functioning maybe like mid two thousands. God damn! Can you imagine that. I had my, like, we had That's our first crazy. microwave, dude, in, like, I was probably in high school, so maybe, like, I was... And that was a big deal. 90, You're like, the future something. is here, man. A fucking thing that could cook popcorn like this? What the fuck? Yeah, totally. And, and so, okay, so you're 16 and 96. Right. And so, which is still early on in the development of a quote-unquote democratic oh, yeah. society... So there's still Fuck. like it, it, it's still pretty chaotic so and, and tenuous, and you're you're going and you're touring. The biggest and playing the punk thing rock was the terrorists in Peru. That was the biggest thing. That's what created all these fucking mess. And they're you know they, they they deal with the with the drug cartels. Terrorists from from uh, Peru. From well, but terrorists from uh, what ideological group? I guess. Uh, like, well, they were well. Uh, let's see. Uh, like was it Marx, a military? Like a lot of oh, uh, a lot of Marxists. Yeah, like Mao Zedong. Kind of oh, so, okay. and then, they, but they were very violent groups, very, very violent. So these are like communist revolutionaries. Yeah, the okay. the idea is like in order to build something better, we, we have, have to, to destroy everything. Destroy it all. Right, and no, I mean kids, older which is people. which is in the communist manifesto. So that it started right in 1980, is when it started. This this very fucking is a he was like a, a professor or something, you know, like with all these ideas and whatever. And he started this fucking communist um, movement with like ultraviolet. Yeah. And uh, it lasted till 2000, 20 fucking years. Get the fuck out of here. I fucking was born. This is where it gets crazy. In 1980, at the same time. And I left Peru when I was 20 years old. I came to the States in in 2000. Right as these motherfuckers right, right as it was over, you were like, "All right, enough's enough." Yeah, I'm getting then, away. Boom, hey, guess what? <laughs> and they're yeah. like, "Oh, by the way, yeah, communism's but, not a thing so anymore." Twenty years of fucking terror. Yeah. It was it was horrible. I mean, you see a dog hanging on the pole, dead, in in Lima, in Lima, while you were going to school with a message on it from terrorists to like, "Don't talk to cops," you know, what? things like that. I mean, you're seeing these things as a kid. Very fucked up, dude. Um, people are getting fucking mutilated in like fucking schools and shit because they don't want to join the terrorist groups and shit. Right. I mean, it's they're taking over. They took over all the schools. Now, I'm talking outside Lima for the most part. 
In, right, in right. Lima, we were getting these fucking car bombs. They fucking blew the fucking American embassy. So what does America do? Fuck it, they come back in and build this huge fucking bunker, dude. It's like the biggest fucking most solid building in the entire country. Just it's in the, the middle of American Lima. Embassy. Yeah, but they blew the first one, dude, like these car bombs. So they will go and, and, and go to places like Miraflores, which is a very touristic part of fucking Lima. And they'll go in there and like fill a fucking car full of explosives and fucking powder and shit. Put a brick on the fucking gas pedal and let that fucker hit a building and he just fucking destroys the fuck out of the, I mean, they're destroying the city. Dude, and, I mean, what are we talking about casualty-wise here? Oh, thousands. Thousands. So you're seeing you're seeing Oklahoma City happen on a regular normal. basis. Yeah. And that's Lima and, you know, outside Lima is fucking already been, like there's certain, like let's say states that have already been taken completely over. And that that's actually more like 9/11 on a regular basis. Yeah. Cuz yeah, I want to I yeah. want to say that Oklahoma to the Oklahoma City with was like fucking airplanes and shit, but you yeah, know, not to the magnitude dude. of like like shock and awe like like 9/11 so you know was, what we like, you know how we grew up dude like on our windows we ha we had these like fucking stars that we did with or almost like an asterisk. So the glass wouldn't explode with duct tape. So when the when it actually does explode they it won't, won't shatter and fucking go everywhere. Yeah, dude. So wow. for years you will be driving down Lima, and you know, like, you know, my my parents ha uh, worked uh, with uh, uh, travel agencies and shit like that. So there was always Jesus. some fucking white dude in my house, you know, like right. visiting. So you know, we'll fucking drive him through the town. This dude looks like he's fucking just saw the worst dude, movie. Ever. No, it's amazing. But it's, dude, it's so amazing. It's, yeah. he's like wondering. Yeah. What the fuck are the stars and all the fucking windows, man? So it's like in case like, there's dude, a terrorist attack, we don't get nothing care. fucking good, man. You know. So okay, so here's a question then. So your parents were in the the travel business. Yeah. How do you market travel to a country that is besieged with like oh, communist revolutionaries? That's that's exactly what well, I was a lot thinking. of you know it, what I mean. Yeah, like you said, yeah. travel agents, and I'm like, whoa, nobody wants to come here. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do you? Well, that's why they went out of business, probably. But also, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, come to oh, think man. of it, it wasn't a very sustainable business model. Um, but I mean, Machu Picchu people traveled was, to see Machu well, Picchu, and there was a lot with. Uh, there was like, I will sometimes because my my parents sometimes will host some of these people. They'll host them in the house, and there'd be like people from like these crazy ass universities from I don't know whatever like the best ones. You know, I was I don't know I was a kid, but there'll be a group of kids. And somebody from Cusco flies to Lima and comes to my house and takes these dudes to, uh, cause they're doing studies and like, you know, like investigating and like all this shit, you know, that they do when they found a fucking bone, I don't know, an arrow, I don't know. Right, right, right. Oh, they're doing like archeological Archeolo things? Uh, yeah, yeah, straight up. Dude, so there was a lot of that happening at that time. So that's- A, a lot, lot of people traveling yeah. for that. Then, you know, like kids in school, before they graduate high school, they will go to like mostly Machu Picchu to do like a, this like big, a class trip and, and journalists too journalists yeah journalists so you know they had a lot of business doing that but my parents weren't in in tourism for a long time they were um so it wasn't really it wasn't really tourism for the general public like it wasn't for like it was for whoever was available at the time i guess right you know, which mainly at the time was you know like these groups of people uh, students from peru like locals and uh but not a whole lot of tourists as far as people <laughs> coming in to visit and see if they're gonna get bombed 
you know, nah. No, have you no, ever heard? Have you like ever heard business <coughs> and occupational stuff? Yeah, yeah. 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 Have you ever? Uh, you know that band Hudson Falcons? You ever heard Hudson Falcons before? They're no. they're they're really cool. They're um they're actually one of the first bands we ever met on tour, like oh, back shit. back Where in the mid nineties. They're from New Jersey. Okay. And um their their singer and main songwriter is this guy Mark Linsky, and he's like a union organizer. Yeah. You know, he, he's very he's very outspoken so uh, socially and politically in his music, and and he's a big you know blue collar advocate, and um and uh and but he's in this like this rock and rolls, you know, soul, oi, punk rock band called the Hudson Falcons. Nice. And on the first recording of theirs that I have, there's a song called Free Lori. And it's all about a journalist. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember her name, Lori something, but it's all about this journalist who went down to Peru. It oh, just shit. occurred to me while we were sitting here having yeah. this conversation. And she was sentenced by a hooded judge. Yeah. Because you guys actually like were like at this time in Peru, I don't know if it's true, but they didn't have due process. Like, dude, Peru like there was hooded like, judges in like the a court fucking system. jungle there, dude. Like, that's crazy. There's people that they had that have never been found. Right. You know, like you know, especially when you come out of town, like tourists, dude, like might get murdered there. Nobody ever fucking knows. Right. They'll disappear your you ass. You know, like because they they want to steal something that you have, dude, or you know, like rape you or whatever the fucking. You will never know it. Like, I mean, they find the craziest shit there. Plus dude. communism. It, yeah. Oh, like, plus, like, plus, like, I mean, there's all, everything. So there's all, there's all the normal, like crime, like people disappearing and, and just like regular violent crime in, dude, in, we, in, in any city. You but know how bad it got with going. the terrorists? Like they used to blow this, the, 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 the towers, like the power towers, you know, you get all your electrical coming to your houses. Right. So they'll go and bomb those. They fucked them up so bad. And this is like, this is how I grew up, dude. No bullshit. They fucked them up so bad that we went, we had to go get the newspaper. And on the newspaper, there'll be on a schedule on like what days you're going to have like two hours of power in your home. Because they had to ration because the power. Because there isn't enough fucking tires. There is not enough fucking manpower to rebuild all this shit. That is unbelievable. So, dude, so you have to go to school. I've done fucking homework with a fucking candlelight, dude, doing homework. You know, you got to shower with, if you're cold, when you get showers, if you get cold, dude, yeah, you got to yeah. boil some water on your fucking propane stove. Right. Because that's the only way you can heat water. Right. You know, so it, it was fucking crazy. You How know, and we have like this on? nice house with nice fucking bathrooms and nice fixtures. This was fucking half of my childhood. So it's like living in the States, but not being able to, to pay your bills. To use anything. Well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like now. <laughs> like, I've I've lived in houses before where like we just didn't pay the bills and had to like you know cook on propane Dude, but stoves it's crazy. and shit. Like, but you like you like lived in like a nice house. Part of my with no gas. Of my no childhood, dude, is remembering generators. I heard I always you hear always the generators. People and, would just buy people generators. just buy generators and and go buy gasoline because they want to watch fucking cable TV. You right. Know, so, you know, hey, dude. Watching cable TV you know, on a fucking Jenny? What? Dude, yeah, dude. Dude. Uh, can we go to your house and take a shower? Can we do homework in your shower? So then we had this, we also have these curfews. Right. You know, so after like, I don't know, midnight, you couldn't be outside. If you were outside, that means you're a terrorist. We're going to fucking pick you up and prosecute you. Right. If that's if you don't get shot. So if you have an emergency, like you have to go to the doctor or some emergency like that, you had to flag a white flag off the window of your car. So you didn't get shot. So you, you didn't, didn't get, get shot, arrested. and then they'll come like a fucking tank will come sit in front of you, 
and ask you why the fuck you're out there. You know, while your child is probably dying, you have to explain why. So we did these parties, right? Right. Because now we can't leave the party at midnight, really, dude. That's when it's so now you have like lock-ins. So, dude, we just party till the next fucking morning. Because what else are you going to do? You can't go anywhere else. Exactly. So that became also pretty cool as far as like... Venue options for when venues you're Venues and like, how do you keep people... Mo you can't dance all fucking night. How many so shows you did you play show at 3 o'clock in the morning? Oh, fuck. A shit ton of them. Oh, like, they were just they play were all like, night. They were like house parties. How many bands do you have on a show like that? Probably two or three. Cause two it, or three? You know, it, it's not going to be like a big show. It's just going to be more like to break the party. Right. You know, to like, because, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. Like, And we were really young when all this shit was happening. You know, this is, I mean, shit, I was 20 when I left, and it was already kind of better. But Holy shit. This was probably like, I don't know, I was maybe like between the late 80s and super early 90s. So you're like in your early teens doing yeah, this stuff. Yeah, just a teenager. But I, I think at that point, both, both of my parents had to go to work. This is before they did the travel agency. My dad has done everything, dude. Um. So he's like a jack of all trades. Yeah, 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 yeah. Master of none, but he's pretty cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, they were both working. So my sister was five years older than me. Well, she is, and uh, she's the one that I got all like music from. Right. That's so she would like, take you along to go to shows. And not stuff really. Like no, she wouldn't really share any. I would just like. You know, oh, like you would see, just steal it like, from her. Like, not really steal it. Like, you know, I'll go into a room and like I saw these posters on the wall and I'm like, what the fuck are these bands? You so know? she just kind of like indirectly incited right. your So then I'll go to see my buddy that lived, you know, like a few houses down. Like his dad always had to fly for work. And I was like, dude, like I copy all the names of the fucking posters, you know, and I tell him, I tell him you know, see if your dad can find these at a fucking music store. You know, like he, store. Where was he flying to? Sometimes like Europe and you know, sometimes the States. It's just like- it's I was just gonna ask, how are you getting music at this point? Like, oh, is there a dude. record store that you go to no, or you're having, to, not. you're having to get it in from you, like you having fucking, somebody smuggle it back on a plane? You like, you knew the people that had music because then again, small town. Where do you a get it? A lot of it was records from the seventies. Well, you have to order it. You right. had to like, you know, find a family, member that knows a dude that it's knows a fucking other dude that has a cousin that is going to fly to New York City for some fucking wedding just or to get records you know so you tell him hey can you tell your cousin that has the nephew with the fucking dude and blah 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 to maybe bring this and I'll pay him 10 bucks you know and dude they'll bring it that's so then then you do a lot of you know you take a lot of chances you know you can mail some money and hope that that record shows up right Nine out of ten times, fucking didn't. Was there anything that was contraband as far as no, music or point, entertainment goes? Like you were free to have whatever you wanted, entertainment wise. Uh, yeah, you yeah. just didn't have the access to get it. The the biggest bummer was when Santana came to play, and I think it was in the seventies, and he got sent back by that fucking. The government dictator. sent him back. Yeah, put him back in the plane, and told him to fucking leave. Oh shit, Carlos but, Santana. And he didn't return to like fucking dude, like late nineties, maybe like early two thousands. No way. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he, you know, he knew it wasn't like the. I mean, people had bought tickets and shit, you know. Get the fuck out. Yeah, he sent them back, dude. So here's a question. That fucking blowing your mind with all this shit, dude. I feel yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, I feel it's, like an entertainer. Yeah, dude, yeah, this is, yeah, this is yeah, great. Yeah, it's this amazing. Is, dude, actually, this, yeah. this show always, 
The show always goes to the most surprising. We places. haven't even gotten to the band. No, yet. no, dude. So the episode we did last week, we didn't get into talking about music with Ben until the second hour. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. We talked. We talked society, and we talked. We talked politics, and we and the talked, education system, and the education. Yeah. St- dude, we talked about so many things, and and what I love about this is I show up every week having no idea what I'm going to talk about. Like I have a few things, a few ideas. Like a few little like sentences in my head, but then it always takes a turn that I'm not ex- expecting. And and man, I this is this is truly the most unique turn it's ever take, taken. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so what I what it was I was so wild, dude. There's so, so much shit happening. That's fucking crazy. Okay, so here's here's my question then. As a teenager, growing up in a place that is just lousy with terrorism. You know, I, I, and then that right when I said that, it popped in my head that I just said like lousy with wooks last week. <laughs> and it just like, so like using the term lousy with terrorists is a whole new, I don't know. It's, it's just funny. Level of so just like a, a, a place that is just like, like I used the word earlier, besieged with terrorism, you know, just like, and, and a corrupt government and all this going on. What is the punk rock like that comes from oh, that it's world. It's great, dude, because you have so much to write about. Right. You, you have material to literally give away. What is what like what is the tone of the music? Is it really upbeat? Super is it really angry? Like, like angry, yeah, like 80s punk in Peru. It, dude, you know where the fucking first band in the world or the first punk band in the world was from? Where? Lima, Peru, bro. No way. Fucking Los Psychos from... Oh, Los Psychos. Yeah. That's 1964. Awesome, that's, that's Peru. Earlier than I've any... heard Los Psychos. Yeah. That band's the shit, dude. Exactly. So they're, So we had that... When you're when you're a kid and you go... You know, you're not getting mu- a lot of music from out of the... You know, like from the States or London or whatever. You're, you're making your own thing based on the well, handful of influences You that go are to what's available, you know, the locals that you know so you get these records and shit and that was it was very angry like the 80s like you know so the 80s bands probably use this band as a as a reference per se right like for to write music and shit and a lot of probably at that point might have been like 80s hardcore from probably the right you know before 80s hardcore was 80s hardcore yeah like the like the west coast more likely yeah black flag right like so they a lot of like heavy power chord yeah, like there's a lot of good bands some of them like were huge and like you know they got releases in france and was there a lot of recording going on that was gonna be my yeah, next and question it, and and it was so fucking awful you know it was like uh, like you recorded some stuff right well when we recorded we were already like we're now 90s so now there's a little more budget there's a little there's better places to go and do this you know, it's still not that great, but it was better. Like this 80, 80, like 1980s, the the material that you know you can get is kind of like very lo-fi. Right. You know, but it, like but, what would be an example of a band? I think we should look one up and we should like, totally, we dude, should like I mean, listen. Fuck, like, uh, well, like one that is still active to the day is uh, G3. G3. And, look uh, up, look up, see if we can find or, some music by G3 from Peru. There's another one that's called Hostile Situation. So you have to type it in Spanish. That band was fucking sick. It was like a crossover, fucking like, like Cro-Magsy like, type of shit. Yeah, like 
Fuck, dude. Like almost like a nuclear assault sort what? of. Like a little more hardcore. Dude, there's so many fucking good bands from the 80s. Dude, if you go like on like all maximum rock and rolls. Yeah. There's like fucking so much on Peru. Like the punk scene in Peru is crazy big, dude. Really? Yeah. And they're like. I very, mean, it makes sense. There's a lot of legendary bands, dude. That There's a ton of South American Oh, yeah. Punk rock, like really great, Fuck, just yeah, in general, dude. but Peru specifically. I Peru didn't know had that. like a big, good scene, dude. And then again, I don't know. I guess it was just like the brotherhood between the bands. I think at right. the time what helped, you know. Well, you needed each other. Yeah, because every, everybody was like, dude, I just got this, you know, whatever record. I don't know, the jam. Or so you like, guys but, would all like listen to the records together. And yeah, shit like I mean, that. we always share, you know, if you, it, you have this and, you know, you like exchange fucking music like crazy. So what is what does jamming look like? Like, are you, is there a spot in town where you go and you're jamming with your yeah. boys or what? What? That was most likely the case because, you know, again, you know, like being such a poor country. It was, and, uh, and having access to electricity. Well, even. that too. I mean, that made rehearsals tough. But during the 90s, that kind of ceased a little. Okay. So you by know, the time the, you were actually playing yeah, in bands, the, you weren't you weren't dealing the with the... thing with the power was probably like a, maybe like a three-year run, maybe. I think okay. In, in the 80s, right? Uh, late 80s. Late early, 80s. So, yeah. okay. So by the time you're actually playing, <coughs> we're actually you have regular, you have pretty yeah. decent access to facilities. Yeah. And the guys in the 80s, yeah, that, that first fucking, you know... They were pissed because their amps kept shutting down yeah, in the middle of fucked. fucking rehearsal. They were fucked. And they, they always got linked with the fucking terror. You got something? Let's, okay, let's listen to this. But yeah, dude, I like this shit. I mean, those guitars, dude, are fucking amazing. I like the synth in the back, dude. That's cool. But you can tell the fucking, you can hear the sound. It's like very, like, very compressed, like like the snare, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like it's like 80s, dude, like straight up. That ice cream is kicking in so nicely. <laughs> yeah, same. Dude, it sounds like Turbo Negro. Yeah, maybe. And this like is like the, the, like the helicopters, Glucifer, yeah. like little social D. The damned, dude. I hear the damned in there. Totally. Yeah, dude. So this band was like, when they started, it was like seven seconds, dude. Like their early shit, like their 80s recordings. Really? Amazing, dude. Amazing band. 1980, I think these are 1986 when they started, or 87 maybe. That is good shit. Yeah, dude. So many bands. That's great. So then, then, then the 90s fucking happened in Peru, and that's where my band was like. I'm just gonna let that play under. All right. Well, you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. A part of the. Uh, like, you know, when I started actually playing shows. You're like part of that whole scene going on. So, okay, so you didn't... So tell me what jamming looks like. What does band rehearsal look like? Oh, well, uh, there was like really... The place to go was like a block and a half from my house. There a block was a, and a half from your house. From my house, there was this guy, Eduardo, 
Okay. And Eduardo had like the shit, dude, like all the good drums and the good. Like he amp. invested in good gear. Yep. And he had like the, a room like this, you know, like so it's it sounds good, you mm -hmm. know, it's all acoustic and a PA. So <coughs> I think we pay the I don't know, probably like five bucks. Oh, you pay? It's kind of like a rocket space kind of yeah. thing. It's, it's Eduardo's rocket space, exactly. where rockets might actually appear. So, so you know, but after a few years, all that shit, like, there was so many bands that went there. Right. First, it was just like I knew about it because there was there was also a big fucking university by my house, like a big school. So for, a lot of bands are coming out of the university. Well, yeah. There's these older dudes that, um, in fact, that's how kind of how like everything started. Dude, like I was playing with my brother. When we were, I was probably 11 years old. Right. And this dude was like riding his bike or something, coming back from like school. And he fucking knocks on my door, dude. And so I come out and, and I go, yeah, dude. And he's like, hey, who's playing the drums? I said, that's me, man. He's like, hey, man, I play guitar. This fool is like, I don't know, 20 something years old. I'm 11. Right. So I said, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm gonna go get it. So he goes, gets his fucking guitar. <laughs> and I let him in the house, so we're fucking playing. So then my dad comes in, he's like, what fuck are you, man? Fucking hanging out with my kid? You know? Oh, right. He yeah. saw a grown man just <laughs> yeah. hanging out with him. But dude, <laughs> it, yeah, dude. Uh, Playtime's over, okay? And that's when I fucking, like, so that was my first fucking attempt to a band. So then I told wow. my brother, I'm like, dude, you have to fucking hang out with this guy, learn everything he knows, and then we'll start a fucking badass band. And yeah. then we started a band in like 1990, fuck, I don't know, one or two or three. Yeah. I just found some pictures, dude, the other day. Actually, now that I'm talking about this, I was cleaning my house. I, you know, I have a house there. I was fucking moving some shit and found this tub. And I opened it, dude, and it's full of fucking photo albums. Oh shit. That I brought with me when I moved, dude. Oh shit. And I shit. found fucking pictures of my brother playing like a show in a in a venue. In like 91, 90. He was 14 years old in like 1996. I was 16, he was 14. So what are the venues like when you're So like when you're when you're doing gigs, <coughs> tell me Okay, this is what I want to know and I think Gordo would like to know this too. Tell me about your first gig. Like oh, my yeah, very first sure. gig. Tell me about your first gig. Dude, our first gig was actually pretty cool. So I okay. fucking, so I went to Catholic school. It was run by nuns. So they, they did this fucking thing, dude. Like, um, uh, you get this like little torches and you go around the park, you know, at night. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The entire school, dude, everybody. And then after that, there's like a party sort of thing, like where they, you know, they have a show. You know, there's like a like a badass PA and shit. So I was like, fuck, I can I I can probably play a show here with my band. That'd be so sick, you know? So I told the the nun, hey, so we are playing this. Uh it had to be music, like got music, like fucking It like, had to be worship music. Yeah, like religious music. So I told her, we got this band, you know, we play these Jesus songs, you know? And she was like, You do. And I was like, yeah, they're like, you know, very poppy, you know, Jesus songs, song, like sing-alongs. Right, right, you right. Know, but, but we're going to need a, a, a PA and some lights and, and a full backline, you know. And she's like, no problem. So I was like, cool. So, I, so my band was me, my brother that you know, and then um, this other guy, Eric, played the bass. He was in a different school. And then my neighbor, 
Yvonne, he played guitar. Okay. So we play all cover songs like Metallica, Green Day. Um, I think we threw some Santana in there too, some Pearl Jam. Right, all right. the shit that fucking kids, uh, you know, at, at that time listened to, like the grunge was huge, Nirvana. Right, right, know? right, right. So all that. So we, we learn all these songs and we fucking go play the show, dude. So the second we fucking played like the fucking second song or something, this, it, there's like a fight, like there's a fucking fight, dude, all of a sudden, and they fucking shut it down. You know, we were the coolest motherfuckers, dude, in school. You have no idea, bro. No one ever, ever fuck with my brother or I, dude, at all, bro. Did you hear about the Patino brothers? That's the drummer, dude. I was probably the only drummer in the entire fucking school, except for a couple other dudes, but they- That's some good optics right there, buddy. But they never played, you know, and we're like fucking, so now we're throwing shows, dude, and we we bring our flyers, dude. This Catholic school, bro, like bringing a flyer for a punk show was like you crazy. can get your ass it's whipped like, for that. You might as well bring cocaine, dude. You probably won't get in as much <laughs> yeah, trouble. That's the contraband. You know, yeah. What I mean? if, if, if you if you bring cocaine, they'll, they'll be, be like, like, ah, your dad's fucking shit again, you know, or something. You know, keep it in the house. They'll be like, you must have found it in the street. It's but dude, everywhere. A flyer. Fuck, dude, with like flames on it, you know, whatever. Oh, the fuck. God forbid anything satanic, right? Yeah, dude. So we like, did if you had like, shit. dude, if you got caught with like a Slayer record or a Metallica oh, record at a Catholic school, in and the we room, will fucking give them to people all, you know, during recess. And the fact that you guys were <coughs> doing something you weren't supposed to do just made it all that more exciting to the fucking kids at your school. So you barely played. <laughs> a fight broke out. Barely, was, yeah. Played, was it related to you guys playing or no? Well, well, I guess they were just like moshing or something. Somebody got you know overheated and stuff. Right, we right, play, right. We play more than we play a few more songs. I think was I, it. It was probably like a kid moshing, and then some well, just then they, like regular know, Joe standing there, like, "Hey, what are you running into me for?" They figured <laughs> out. What are you doing? I'm trying to watch the music. Yeah, that's right. Well, they figured out they weren't like Jesus songs, you know, and they were like, pissed, "Oh, they got know. mad." Oh, yeah, oh the nuns dear. were there. Dude. It, like the entire there's like the biggest crowd ever. Like you know, like. So thousands, that was that thousands. was the first first show ever for like a, a a Catholic like what do they call it the candle lighting ceremony right. you know what I mean yes like, that's what it there's was there's the person with the that's one big candle yeah. and then and lights then all everyone, the smaller candles yeah. yeah dude that's exactly what it was and then but you know fifty percent or actually two thirds of Bricheros play that night Get me and my brother fuck out of here <laughs> so ever since so this this is how long I've been playing with those dude so when you know. Dude, that is, there is so much there. Like, I, know. I hope you got a long time to sit down and talk because there is like yeah. a there is like a ton to unpack there. Okay, so so that's your first show. It gives you guys instant street cred. You know, yeah, well, within it, the it makes it makes you. Hey, that's all street, you still, need, man. Yeah, yeah that's well, all you need. At that, yeah, at that point, yes. Okay, so what what happens much. from there? What's next? So then, so then we started the band. Then we started. So that was that was my band with my brother. We were really young. That's you know early 90s so then we start this band wreck so you guys are barely in double digits you guys are what oh, yeah. 11 and 12 uh, years old yeah so now but now yeah get the fuck so that's out when of we here, play dude. that's when we play high, the high school party that's okay 12, 12 years old okay <clears throat> um, really young 
No originals, all cover songs. Right. Because we don't know. We barely play those. And we right. play, you guys we play ever, them, uh, you know? Did you guys ever cover any Sepultura songs? Or no, were, you aware, were you aware of them? Or I what? wish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, cover that would require fucking a lot of talent. Because I was a big Metallica fan, and then I heard yeah. Sepultura, and Sepultura's I was like, shit, uh, Metallica's well, if, done. Like, but that's, that, that's <laughs> what's amazing about this stuff, though. Well, we like, have like MTV Latino, bro. We have like the, and the, we had the Headbangers Ball. There was this DJ from Chile that, you know, looked like really badass and, and he fucking played all these bands, dude. And Sepultura, Animal from Argentina. I don't know if you ever heard that. Band, Animal, dude. huh? That band is fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, dude, all these uh, Ratos de Parado from fucking Brazil, you know, fuck. It was, they play all that shit on MTV, dude. And then like, there was like a cool MTV for like us fucking Mexicans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you just referred to you all collectively. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nah, man, I just... That's uh, probably how MTV looked at us. Yeah, yeah, right, right. There's like, all right, we've got... We've the got, white, MTV we've got white people MTV. MTV, and then we've got brown people MTV. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. So then you're playing... Then you're going on and you're doing these house uh, these house parties, these high school parties that we're talking about. Yeah, so we... Like where you guys are doing the all-night parties because mm -hmm. there's curfews and you can't go out. Yeah, so uh, it's well, like the curfews... Not so much anymore. There was a few every once in a while. Okay, but so, we're now we're now playing like. But you don't want to travel at night when it, it when you're no, doing the house no, parties. No, you like don't that. want to really be out too late either. It's it's kind of still pretty dangerous. So what's the what's it like for a teenager in who's into this scene to say, "Mom and Dad, I'm gonna go to a show tonight." And because it's dangerous to come home, I'm just going to stay there all night and I'll come home in the morning. I'll just tell her you're, crush you're crushing somewhere. You know, like you're crushing with your friend or something. They, so they, everybody's crashing at somebody else's house. They probably prefer that you were safe. Right. Then you get end up dead. Like that, I mean, they're fucking, I mean, dude, these terrorists are fucking taking over. It's do you think horrible. culturally there's a little more leniency in, in, in what your parents are were letting you do? Because, I mean, I can't imagine my parents ever like being okay with that you know what i mean well, like i i had a pretty long leash we didn't know better dude like you know right like for it, it it lasted for so long so it was just like now something that you deal life with. has to go yeah, on it's just like you people aren't cowering in fear right. they're so, just learning to deal with the shit and, and you knew where not to go you know there were certain places that you would go to god that just says that something about can. like yeah i mean the it, fortitude of human beings yeah. man. and people are like i mean people are leaving town there's a lot of like political asylum and right you know, a lot of the well dude and politicians get assassinated militaries are leaving you know like yeah they're, they're quitting their jobs and fucking moving you know so what is that doing to the economy in the economy in the 90s was still bad in peru the, it was really yeah, bad the early 90s were bad i remember fuck my dad my parents had a hard time yeah. Yeah. They, they were always, you know, they, they had a good start, you know, but then uh, they were pretty humble. You know, we, we grew up with not a whole lot. You know? do, do you think this, do you think that that harmed the music scene that you were involved in? Or do you think that was better for it because people had the need for some way to get it out? I mean, is it just kids going to the shows or is it like all kinds of townspeople no, yeah, showing up? Everybody. I mean, shows were like that was what, that's what was so cool is it's like it was so diverse dude i mean it was like everybody was going to shows just every everybody yeah. in the area like it's not just high school kids uh no every, i mean everyone everyone that's so and wild, we went man. to shows even when we were in high school i mean we were playing shows so we were obviously going to shows you know but uh school nights were you know kind of not as busy 
but sometimes that's all we get when we have to book something. Right. You know, like the venue will be like, well, we're not going to give you a fucking shitty band on Saturday. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. You can play here, but, you know, Tuesday, because no one fucking comes anyway. Right, right, right. So right. We, we try to, but, you know, we tell our friends in high school, dude, just tell your dad, dude, we're playing and it's rad, you know, and you'll be tired tomorrow, but you take a nap, whatever. So, I don't know. so what do you, what do you do? <coughs> so here's the question then. So what do you do? Like, I, I understand the house party parties because you're just staying in one place all night. What are yeah. you doing when you guys are playing the clubs and you can't stay the night at the club? Oh, no. When we were playing the clubs, uh, there was no... None of that was yeah, going on. It would have been really... If the, the club probably wouldn't have been open. So Right. So the transition from this, like, period of time sounds like it happened pretty rapidly. Like it over... used to usually happen because there's, a, you know, a lot of times they were like, you know, the military will try to take the house you know like get the president or whatever that it's been a couple of those when i was growing up um, right you know so then that's when they you know close the highways and shit you know and so they want everyone in in the house uh but it it's it, it wasn't i mean it fucked up a, a bunch of stuff like on the weekends but at the, by the time we were playing shows it had really so Draw by the time you guys are playing shows, and it's still the three of you at this point, right? Or it's it's uh, four of well, you. Well, now uh, there's four of us. So the very first guitar player that we had actually moved to the states due okay. to you know economy and shit like that. You know, so <coughs> his parents like moved to fucking Florida. So we lost our while you were player. still young. Yeah, I was 15. He moved in 95. Okay. So then we had this guy that was in my class. Um, he was he. He was living in Florida also. And then he, they went back to Peru because that's where he's from. And uh, so he came back and he was the only kid that listened to the same music I listened to. Right. Because the music I'm getting is not, it's, that's not really much in school. It's just through my friends near my house. Mm -hmm. so, uh, people in school are like listening to like whatever fucking was on the radio, I guess. I right, know. right, right. And what is on the radio? Uh, 90s, Guns N' Roses was huge. Right, right, right. You know, like these kind of shit, you know. I mean, good bands, you know. Right. Foo Fighters yeah. and Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, all that shit. All that know? shit. So, so you guys got all that same, same yeah, shit. Yeah, that, that was all over the place. But nobody's getting, you know, like some fucking black flag fucking b-side you know like now is that still stuff that you have to have somebody fly oh, yeah. in oh, okay. you have to and somehow find it you know i mean that now internet is just kind of like you can find some shit in there you can't really order but right you, you know but you you know it's there and you can maybe find it some fucking how uh maximum rock and roll was huge yeah you know? right like, that's how we got a lot of information it was like magazines right you know um and maximum rock and roll was the one that had all the releases on it right you know? and then you know when you order a record it usually comes with a catalog right and then you so learn then about other records so you're and you keeping just... up you know sort of but but then again mail is still sketchy so right you never know you, you know, you like maybe buy it. Some, you know, somebody will bring it whenever they come out, you know, and you have a fucking stack right. of records at someone's house. Right. And it gets picked up. Oh, yeah, I'm taking this to fucking little Ruben, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of fucking records. I'm waiting you know. until it builds up a little bit. And, I'm not going to take like, them as he orders them. After two fucking years, I got all my records, dude. Oh, now let man. me order the new ones. Oh, man. You know, so, yeah. So, okay. So, what is. So, we talked about kind of what it was like early on when you're first jamming. We talked about first gigs. We talked about these like these house party shows and you're starting to play the club shows. Right. So what is what is what does touring look like for you guys? Not Tell me good. a little bit about touring, like how that process works. So, are you booking the shows? Are yeah. like have you guys released material by this point and you're touring on it? Or you're just like 
for fun going around <coughs> and trying to play in other places. So the um, this little scene that we had was like really, really underground. Like right. under more under than the underground that was already happening. Right. So the the we never had like a record, but we had these demos. Right. Uh, like, like cassette tapes. Basically like we had this little fucking four track fucking tape like, recorder. Like a Tascam, yeah, like four track. Fostex, yeah. yeah, Fostex, yeah. And we'll set up some microphones, you know, and that's kind of like what we did. And it's, I mean, it was terrible, you know, but. Uh, but it's but what you we had. Will, yeah. And then so we, we'll use that and we'll make, we'll get, you know, like a cutout and fucking make the fucking foldy thing for the fucking cassette. And then we'll just duplicate all the cassettes in our, like in mm-hmm. our house, you know, and we like give them away. You know, sell them for whatever the fuck you have, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we did. Uh, so that was the first band, which is with Felipe from Bricheros. Right. So then I booked a show in Barranco, which is a very cool part of town in in Lima. It's like very okay. artsy, you know, like it's where it's like what? It's like years. Baker here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, kind of. And um but really cool. But really cool. <laughs> but like. So I booked a show. Really there, cool. And um, and fucking, I booked it with this band, Uncertain Future. It was the only band that said yes to me, dude. Because I fucking asked like two or three other bands and they were like, no, dude, like, fuck you and your show, you know? Right, right, right. But, you know, Pedro, the singer, he was like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll play the show. So he shows up, but the rest of the band doesn't. So they're just, just like, no. So, so they, they were, I don't think they even knew there was a fucking show. So he got kind of upset, you know, like the fucking drummer didn't show up, you know, whatever. And uh, we play our set twice because, you know, we didn't know what to do. Were there people? Like, how was the yeah, crowd? Because I put him on the flyer. There was a lot of people, actually. Right. You know, but they saw and they were the, They were the draw for right, it. So, so they saw the singer there. So they figured, oh, they're going to play. So they stayed through our set. Right. And then when they figure that, you know, they weren't going to play, I mean, it's kind of like lame, you know, but I'm like, dude, that people are like, oh, they're here. I mean, some of them, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, so the singer, you know, like he's like, hey, Ruben, like fucking I'm having a hard time with my drummer. And uh, do you want to play? You know, and so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll play because I was stoked, you know, because it's like, man, that band is really cool, you know, right, right, even right. though they didn't play tonight. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Maybe but, they would have played tonight right. if I was exactly. drumming so for it. I was just like, so I, I fucking, so then that's where I met George because he's the bass player. Okay. Which is the third Brichero. Okay. So I joined that band, eventually left the other one that I had with my brother. He continued on with that one. And, uh, and then I, you know, I, I started touring with this band. Uh, we would with that at that point we would do like certain cities outside Lima like okay. we would go south uh, to like Arequipa or like near Chile or something and play right there you know so so you're like you're still just exclusively in Peru at this point yeah we for still have okay. yeah we didn't go to we didn't do anything international till like ninety nine okay so this is about ninety six uh, so then ninety seven I put out a record with them. <clears throat> which it was crazy because it was all in English. And the only one that knew how to speak English was George. You didn't even know how to speak English oh, at this point. Dude, I was still learning Spanish. <laughs> 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 yeah, so 
So how long have you been, just as a side note, how long have you been speaking English for? Uh, uh, dude, maybe like, I mean, like con- it's kind of like hard to say, probably, I don't know, I would say, you know, I got I moved in 2000, probably by 2001, I think I can fucking have like a conversation that makes sense. Goddamn, you know, I mean. Like, cause one thing is to learn the language, but another thing is to like actually get involved with the culture. Like right, as far right. As, like, Learning the, the, the cultural you know, like, language, what, which is its own language. What the fuck is this dude laughing at this shit? You know? Right. Or like, what the fuck? Something like, I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. Some any idiom. No, like, you know, like little idioms, little, yeah, you like, know, what little does sayings. That mean or whatever. That you don't know? mean so anything. You know, that takes a fucking, I mean, you know, a long time. I don't even, it, it's hard to even say. Right, you know? but, right, right. Um, but, uh, to like, yeah, I guess necessity, like really make right. something in your head kick on and like be like, okay, dude, you're either going to do it or you don't. Right. You know, because if you are, you're fucking kind of running out of That's time. That's kind of the idea of immersion <coughs> programs is like, it's like, you know, just like drop you in one. Like I've been talking about learning Spanish and German for like the last 15 years. It's so important it, to if, fucking be able to communicate. You like when we, you know, you go out to Europe, you can at least, you know, like if you know Spanish, dude, you can fucking get all over. Yeah, you can, you can get around. Yeah, dude. And it, it works out. You man. can pick up the other Latin languages out totally. there better. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. Uh, I, I encourage that to like my daughter, dude, like she's fluent. Thank she, God. Dude. She's, she's bilingual. She's like fully bilingual. Well, yeah, she's actually, so she also knows a little bit of uh, Mandarin. She was learning Mandarin Ch- what Chinese. What the fuck? Wow. Right, but the problem was like, <laughs> we switched schools and then she lost that. She but lost the Mandarin program. She's gonna, she's gonna get it back in high school because she's going to high school next year. So. It's like you see the parade of like the people who were like, keep music in schools. And then there's like a smaller parade next to it that's like, and also the Mandarin program. Dude, you know what's crazy? Like we were out with the Bricheros in, in Geneva, Switzerland, and we were at my buddy's house. We were having dinner, and right. he's got a couple of kids. His kid, Sander, I think he's like, fuck, I can't remember, maybe four or five years old, dude. And this kid knows five fucking languages. Jesus. Spanish, English, German, French. And well, this is in Geneva, I, right? Yeah, dude. You know what, dude? <coughs> the, the Swiss, the culture in, in Switzerland is... Gnarly. Dude, Switzerland is a different place, They've man. They've got the right idea. Oh my like, God, dude. I was like, so then that made me feel really stupid. Yeah. Because you know? so I was like, holy fuck, kid. But, but I mean, Switzerland, here's the thing. Switzerland has almost unlimited resources, financially oh, speaking. Yeah. You know, and, and we've, I don't know if you taught, actually tell me, and I'll, and I'll tell you what my experience was. Tell me what your experience with young Swiss people was like, cause you guys played shows out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was your experience? Like did, did you guys, uh, did you guys play a, a Yugen culture house? Like a big, um, a big facility for so, like young yeah. people where they had like, they have like multiple things going <clears throat> on inside. I'm we like, did that in uh, Potsdam. Germany. Okay. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like, they call it Freeland. Right. It's dude. It's yeah. It's exactly that, dude. Like it's like an artistic of, space. Yeah, I mean, there's everything. There's like people cooking food and yeah. Like, um, 
uh, yeah, like galleries, a textile and, shop, like a design shop, and a, and a print show. shop, and a ballet studio, yeah. and a it's, it's and a rad. theater, and a punk rock, and it's club. a party, and yeah. you know, like a lot of I don't I don't know, it probably happened to you guys too, but uh, it, you know, you like a bunch of the shows you play, there's a party after the show. Oh yeah, and just just go dance and shit, dude. And like, yeah, people hang out. It's like fuck, dude, like so the rad. show like leads into, <coughs> into another thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, so that was cool, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, like how much further you can get in everything you do if you just if you're able to communicate oh know, yeah like knowing that other language man, absolutely crazy dude. yeah well and i mean we have so much more in common i think than than we are aware yeah you know like you're you're telling your stories about growing up in in peru and the scene there and of course there are differences because of the culture and the and because oh, of yeah. the structure of the world but on this and i realized this my first time going to europe there's this other level of it where like you know around the world every dude fights with his wife you know people are worried about their kids young people are off getting into shit and telling their parents they're staying at a friend's house when they're going to yeah. a, like a house party somewhere. Everybody's you know, fucking getting crazy. People are exp experimenting with Like, it happens all over the planet. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, and, I don't think it was any different here, really, except no. for the violence, you know, like the 90s, like when we were like on teenagers, dude, we're like not coming home till like Way what I will allow my yeah people to be are out, people you know? no matter where yeah. you go and but kids are kids we were no doing so so much crazy shit like you know we were so young we're playing these venues shit it was it was fucking dangerous in there dude like I mean we're fucking kids like almost my daughter's age now when my brother first stepped into this fucking club right you know I'm 16 he's 14 and I'm like tripping I'm like dude I hope that there's not some fucking psychopath fucking you know and that everybody's trying to give you drugs you know right right because right that's the perfect age to hook somebody dude yeah and they're, they're the easiest target dude and dude I mean there's so much shit there dude yeah yeah and I mean you were where the drugs come from yeah like, luckily for they me fuck, and my brother dude. dude like we never really got hooked on anything I don't know how you saw it take fucking, down a lot of people, oh, though, huh? Dude, everybody does it. Everybody, yeah, you know, and and I remember hearing out. stories about when uh, Carnage went down to Colombia, just like yep. how pervasive cocaine is down there. It's you know, stupid. it's just fucking everywhere. It's like, it's like as soon as, <clears throat> I mean, even the most ra like rare and contraband things, they got to come from somewhere. Yep. You know what I mean? Like. I have enough weed on this table right now <laughs> to send a kid in Nebraska to prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? For like seven to 10 years. Yes, indeed. You know, or a kid from Kansas. Hey, eh, Gordo. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I was talking last night with some of the people I know from work <coughs> and, we were, and, and I was talking about, um, I was talking about that and, and we were telling stories about friends who had gone to prison. And one of the guys I work with was telling me a story that he was like, he got he got pinched in a small state for a small amount of weed and went and went to prison and that is like still going on now so oh like God, so like man. that's the thing that's a thing that like goes on with cocaine here you know what i mean like still cocaine is a big no no here in the states but you like look at like the places in south america where it comes from and even though it's technically illegal right, right. it's technically illegal it's still as prominent as like marijuana is here it's fucking everywhere man like people have access to it it like 
you know, kilos fall off of trucks all the time. Like it is in circulation. You know, like the craziest shit happened to me the other day, dude. Fucking. So when we were going to this tour right. in Europe, I was talking to my homie in Geneva, the, the dad of this kid, right? And he's like, yeah, man, can you bring me some gummies? You know, like for for my uh, wife so that she can sleep, you know, like whatever. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I picked up two bottles. I picked up three bottles. One for me and two for him. From here to take over on the tour. Right. Okay. So I go buy a big bag of gummy bears and I put all like real ones and I mix everything. And I put it in the bag and I put it in my bag. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Out I go, DIA, right? So we're going, me and my brother, going to Europe. Cool. We go through the fucking metal detectors. Bags go through the fucking little belt. And mine gets fucking pulled, dude. Woo! Boom. This bag comes with, with us. So I'm like, holy fuck, the gummies, dude. <laughs> they definitely know. So, dude, they open the bag. And I'm like tripping. And they're like going through the whole thing. And they pull these fucking big fucking stack of stickers. Brichero stickers. Dude, the smell of vinyl was so intense right. inside that bag, dude, that must have said, you know, oh, like some the chemical or something. Oh, yeah. <coughs> you know, and they, were, and they were like, what is this shit? I'm like, dude. They're stickers. <laughs> They're fucking stickers, man. So then they, we went. So I was like so fucking, I was like, I ate almost one fucking bottle of that fucking, <laughs> you know, just to, just to calm down. So we get, we get through, dude. We get to the fucking plane. We're ready to go. We're in the plane. The plane will take off, dude. Mm -hmm. We're flying to London. We got it. They got to get us out of the plane. Four hour delay. Connection in London. Boom. No more. Missed one show in Switzerland. That and that's it. Yeah. Well, now we're flying to Manchester. Okay. So. My homie calls me because I have to talk to him, you know, because, dude, we're not going to make one show. Yeah, we're, we're not going to make be, the first we're show. We're going to go straight to Geneva. We were going to go to Basel. Okay, okay. You know? So he's like, oh, you're going through Manchester? Don't bring those gummies. Oh, just don't? Do not bring those gummies. <laughs> They're going to fucking search everything, dude. Sure as shit, bro. So I'm fucking, I got two bottles of fucking gummies. Right, right. I already had eaten almost one of it. Right, right, like right. the whole bottle because I was so fucking Just freaked like, out. Freaked that, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we already had met with George at DIA. So I'm like, dude, eat some of this shit. He's like, no, dude, I'm good. And I'm like, Felipe, eat some of this shit. No, I got a pill, dude. I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to do a pill. Right, right. I'm like, well, fuck, dude. I got to get rid of them, you know. So I ate all of them. I ate the two fucking bottles. Because I didn't want to throw them away, you know. <laughs> I thought that because, I mean, that'd be fucking wasteful. Okay, so on that note, how's that ice cream hitting you? Good. Dude, that stuff's made. Okay, <laughs> so how intense. Nice so using, using this ice cream as a measuring device, how many ice creams high were you off of eating two oh, bottles of gummies? It's hard to say. It's 500 ice creams? I wouldn't like, know. I mean, you after, like, times after probably than you are right like now? the first, second bottle, I 
probably already had too much to even be able to tell what comes after that. I think at a certain point, I think with weed too, I don't at think a certain point higher, you can yeah. only get so uncomfortably high. Yeah. You know, oh, I think at that yeah, point they I, yeah, were just like right about that. gummies. Yeah. And that's so it. you might as well, like when you smoke weed, you might as well get as high as possible to like see what that looks like and then kind of figure out your, like the, I mean the very first time you smoke weed, get as high <coughs> as you possibly can and then the next time go, okay, how much did I smoke this time? How can I back it up from there? And then just stick with that for the rest of your life. And I tell you'll never... you how you get rid of that high, like right away. What, being that high while you're on gummies, like that many gummies? Yeah, dude. How do you get rid of it? When you're about to fucking lose your other fucking flight. Oh. Because we, we had to go to Manchester, dude. And then when right, we right. got there, sure as shit, they fucking took it. So they kept my brother. They took it into the took the fucking my brother into the little room, dude, and they're like, dude, you you can't fucking leave and because like, of the stickers. Bec no, because of, they said they found some substance in the fuck on the guitar, and they were fucking still like, haven't found the gummies. They just, I ate them all. Yeah, there yeah. was no gummy. Now at this point, there's only real gummies. But you still got life. but you still got pulled off for something on the guitar. Yeah, no, Felipe, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, so Felipe did. We're, so we walked to the gate. We tell the fucking flight attendant, hey, he's calling, you know, he's just, they're checking his shit right now. We're all here. Right, right, right. You know, so they're like waiting. Oh, dude. Did they hold the, did they hold the plane for I you? I was, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. For a little bit, you know. And then we, I had to go back and get him because he didn't know where the gate was. So I went back over there, dude, and like from that fucking room to the gate, dude, he was fucking a lot of fucking they we, we've been we've been pulled out of line before too to search the bags i, I they get really suspicious about yeah, musicians traveling oh my god because it's unusual stuff did you okay here's a question for you how did you how'd you guys do at um getting your guitars over there we put him on the, in the plane you put him in the plane yeah. you, did you have to cite the faa regulation when no. uh, okay we this, are very charming dude yeah you are extremely charming <laughs> We uh, okay, so we should tell listeners. By the way, listeners and bands, you should look up the FAA regulations for uh, it, it, instruments and 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 travel. That applies only in the states, I think. It only applies in the states. Yeah, I mean, and I think like we've I, argued it in like Norwegian is like music friendly is what they call it, right? But some of them is like it says on their up to their discretion, so they can tell you to check it if if they really want to. But dude, you just. We got into it with Iceland Air. <coughs> one one thing that Parker was really good at when he was in the band is he was I would call him the bad cop, right? Because he was really good at bullying yeah, <laughs> airline staff yeah. if they tried to like if they tried to put first of all if they tried to put our guitars in the cargo hold that wasn't no going to happen. No fuck no. And second, they were going to try and put our instruments in the cargo hold and make us pay for it. And so it's like, yeah, no so way. we would have to sick the bad cop on him. And yeah. ne we've never, we've never had to put guitars in the cargo hold because we've always had someone who is able to, Logan is also a very physically um, <laughs> imposing, imposing. I was going to say physically imposing fellow. And he always if, finds the perfect word for everything. Right? <laughs> well, and if he is, 
if he is got that look on his face, and I've heard Logan out loud say like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to rip some people's spines out." Why would anyone want to fuck with some dude like Logan? I know he's a big guy. Well, not oh, no. not just I, a big I guy. I wouldn't make that choice. Not, <laughs> you be, that just makes you a dumbass. Well, and he's usually tired when we get to the airport. <laughs> like, oh yeah, because usually, I'm sure you guys were exhausted when you were flying back from Europe, right? Like, uh, yeah, because you gotta, you kind of gotta like stay up all. Like, did you guys catch a, a midday flight or did you catch like an we, early morning flight? We had out of a early morning, but there was a ten. It's like a eight hour difference because from Paris, to, we flew from Paris. Like we, back to Denver. we had to pick up a car in Dortmund and then drive all the way to Frankfurt from Dortmund in a rental car after we had been up all night driving from Belgium. So oh, like, fuck. so by the so by the time Logan gets to an airport after being up all night, he is in no mood to get into do no. any sort of debate with anyone. No. And so many many a a <coughs> a flight staff has just simply been like, "All right, right this way, gentlemen." You know, as soon as he starts so, saying anything. So that's the FAA Modernization and Reform Act of 2012. Okay. And Section 403 regarding musical instruments. Okay. Uh, Section 41724, musical instruments in general, is what you want to look for. Okay. Look that up. Yeah. On your phone. That you you are allowed to keep your guitar on in the cargo hold. What I generally recommend is carry on. Well, what I recommend is, is going to flight staff right when you check in and say if you give us one compartment. We can stack all our guitars up on top of each other. Just let us do it. And most times, if if you come to them like that at the very beginning, they'll help you out. Worst case, Dude, you're the band, bro. I've, yeah, I've yeah. That's the, another thing. They want to help you out. You know, we tell them straight up. Many airlines. Yeah, I've, I've had the best. I've, yeah, I've definitely had the best. Yeah, man. scenario when I've talked directly to you know the, I go straight to the desk and be like, hey, I'm traveling with you know a guitar here. Right. And sometimes they'll put you at the front of the line. Sometimes like, they will. Know, they'll just say, hey, yeah, just go ahead and just put it wherever you want to when you get on there. We, we had we had these flight attendants. that with the bass because the, the bass fucking wouldn't fit on the fucking overhead on one of the planes. Now, did you you guys just travel with a regular electric bass, right? Well, guitar. Yeah, bass and guitar. Okay, cool, cool. I didn't bring anything. Well, like you, get, you weren't like traveling with an upright or anything like that. It was oh, just like an extra man. long case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a buddy that just got a seat back. for his upright when he when he took it to uh, Portland. Really? Yeah. 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 He, you wouldn't he, want to put. He that pretty up. much had to. Yeah. How the fuck? Yeah. Pretty that? much. We did have we did have a flight attendant in uh at on Iceland Air go after this is after Parker like. Wow. Tore this guy's fucking head off at the you know ticket counter, but this flight attendant was like, "All right, well, it looks like we're gonna work it out, but you have to put on a concert for us." And ha oh, ha. And I was like, "You don't want that, lady." No way. <laughs> he he lose the fucking plane. Yeah. Um, hey, I think this is a good time to take a quick break. Let's. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I want to hear kind of about two thousands on. I want to hear about. Like, what brought you over here? I want to hear about playing in bands here. I want to talk about Reno Divorce. I want to talk about, you know, what's in the future for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Oh, Keep yeah. listening. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back. I know.
Okay, you just gave me the look like uh, when you like walk in on someone in the latrine who like the latrine when you walk in on someone in like a porta potty that accidentally didn't lock the door, didn't realize it. You know, the the worst is when you walk in on someone in the bathroom and they're not even doing anything all that compromising, and like you walk in and they're like washing their hands or they're like finishing up, but you know that they didn't lock the bathroom door and you walk in and you get startled and then you get embarrassed for getting startled over someone washing their hands and then you get mad at them for not locking the door to prevent that situation from happening. And that all happens in like a microsecond. You feel all those emotions and then you're like, God, there's reason doors have locks on them. My favorite one is the person on the toilet always says, I'm in here. I'm in here. <laughs> oh, I know. I just saw you. <laughs> Did you, ever, you ever seen those those fucking bathrooms with no partitions? Oh yeah, like just toilets. Dude, I love the bathroom at CBGB. Have you ever seen the picture of the toilet at CBGB? It's very yeah. I've I've been in CBGB. It's like I, I went on to a CBGB. pedestal. Yeah. It's like it's like presenting <laughs> Iggy Pop taking a poop. The bottleneck in Lawrence, Kansas, is like that. It, it has like just a row of toilets in there. Like it's just oh, like dude. oh okay wow. okay. Uh, worst tour toilet. Worst tour toilet for us was Juarez, Mexico. We used to play this place called Fred's that was right across the border in Juarez, Mexico. And it was a pretty fucking hip joint, man. But the setup was like a frayed extension cord hooked to a PA that ran, that, that was on top of a pool table. And basically the band stood on the pool table and like some plywood platforms that were up there and did the show. And uh, they had uh, they had like black velvet paintings all over the place of like Jim Morrison, the the, the Crimson Ghost, the Misfits Crimson Ghost, um, and like they just loved they loved the Doors, they loved the Misfits, and they loved the Casualties. Like those were the bands that they were into, like south of the border. And so we went and played this place, and we like did our regular show. We did it actually with the Road Crew before Tony was in our band. It was like. It was like when Road Crew was still doing a thing and we were first becoming friends. Like This is like 15 years ago. And uh, we had a buddy, this guy, Javier, who ended up living in Denver for a little bit. But uh, he was from El Paso and he spoke Spanish. So he would introduce us and like translate for us and stuff on stage. And like there was some stuff, of course, he like would <clears throat> translate. We'd be like, <laughs> we'd be like, hey, Javier. Or Jerry goes, Jerry goes, hey, Javier. How do you say, how about a round of blowjobs for the fellas? <laughs> and Navier would be like, I'm, I'm not teaching you how to say that. But uh, but yeah, so we would play, we would play at Fred's and like Dude, I we, don't know how good that would have gone, dude. No, it probably it probably would have gone terribly. Yeah. It probably would have gone terribly. Idea. It would have yeah, idea. it would have backfired for sure. But so we would do the show and we would do like a regular set, but then like we'd like fake our way through misfit songs and shit like that, you know. We, we had never played one before in our lives. But we're like faking our way through them. And they had this bathroom that was like seriously just like a shelf with a bunch of holes in it. You know, no seats, just holes in the ground. And and you basically had to sit by side by side and like hold yourself up. And there was one point where I walk in and Logan and Ty are side by side. And Logan is just holding his finger out with a roll of toilet paper on it. Oh. And they're like, they're like bracing each other to like, 
you know, stay up. That was the worst, worst tour toilet ever. What's worst tour toilet for you, Ruben? I don't have a word. I don't use, I can hold it for a very long time. You won't use a shitty toilet. No. Uh-uh. Even, even when you were playing warehouse shows as like, I mean, it had to be an around. emergency. Uh, there has been a few times. You're like, I'll hold it. Well, actually there's it. one, there was one, um, kind of like yours, but it was like literally a little, like a little closet mm-hmm. and it was just a hole in the ground. And that was downtown Lima, but this club had no plumbing. Right. It was just like, so there was a bucket man I, who I came around think, like, and I hoisted think, like, the, the bucket. The floor was just like dirt too, dude. I don't even, I don't. I don't even know if it was legal. You like, know what? Now that I think that. of it, that was just a tent that somebody set up in the woods. Dude, and, uh, that we played shows in there. You know, it was like in a, the toilet. No, <laughs> that was the bathroom. I'm like, I've played shows in worse places than. No, I've been kicked out of fancier places than this. <laughs> I didn't have to. I didn't have to shit on that one though. But it was just gnarly anyway. You know. That's fuck. That that's very high standards to have to like because you've been to Europe. Yeah. You grew up in in Peru. In, in Peru and you've United traveled all over yeah. the United States and you're still like, nope, I will not use a fucked up toilet. I'll no hold way, it. Dude. Yeah. No. I mean, I can pee off on fucking. Yeah, you can pee anywhere. Road, dude. You know, it's just where I got to shit. Yeah. And, you know, fuck, I wait, dude, whatever. Want to give it. Uh, just wait for a subway. Yeah. Just, just get oh, like, high, like a dude. subway sandwich shop? They do tend oh, yeah. to have the one seater toilets with the lock Best on the inside. Best fucking bathrooms. Yeah. Bars are noble. Barnes and Noble are pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Starbucks yeah. are good. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, Barnes that and Noble are good. Sense. Starbucks are nice. Um, not Starbucks, the highway, though. Starbucks are especially nice now because yeah. they, they have a corporate policy where they will not give anyone shit for using their bathroom. Yeah. Like that, man, that shit that went down with them, they're just only, like, fuck only, it. Everybody use our bathroom. We don't care. Only yeah. took one time. It only <laughs> took one time, and they just went, ah, nope, nope. Those are the best bathrooms. It's yeah. cool. Use the toilet. Yeah, yeah. Anybody, everybody. Have you seen the video of the the lady who I think she goes into a Starbucks and they won't let her <coughs> use the bathroom? Or it's a, it's a fast food place or a restaurant or something, but it's like, it's a crazy street lady. And she comes into this place and, and they won't let her use the bathroom. And it's like, you know, closed circuit television. Closed circuit television. It's footage from the actual security cam. And uh, so this lady just like, starts dropping trowel and starts taking a shit in the lobby of this like I, I don't know if it's a starbucks or if it's like a mcdonald's or what but she just like pops a squat and takes a shit on the ground and reaches down and grabs her shit and throws it at the people working behind the counter Whoa. like some angry monkey shit dude like she fucking this was this like she's like this tall lanky fucking just like she looks I don't know. She looks like the lady next door. I, I don't know. I don't know. She was just like this That's lady next door. Incredibly man. unsanitary. And she gets super mad. Like, I think she must have been a street person. Like, I, I think she was on the street or like mental, like, like mentally ill or something like that. But she didn't. She just didn't have any boundaries. She just said, dude, actually, she was a school teacher. It turns out it was my sister. It was my sister, the choir director. Want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Speaking of throwing shit, <laughs> we're going to throw the opposite of shit on some people real quick. What is the opposite of shit, Gordo? Man, I thought you were ready to go into a Matula plumbing. Pl- oh, plumbing. speaking uh, of throwing <laughs> shit, speaking, speaking of, of people handling their people of being able to handle their shit. Speaking of poo related problems. Want to give a shout out to Matula Plumbing. 
Batula! <laughs> shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List, Super Service Award winner back in 2011. What was the, the other new rhyme we came up with? One one is the only one. One one, yeah. One one is the only one. One this one. Is a real show. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Matula Plumbing, Matula Plumbing. Uh, let's see. Jerry Matula, Angie's List winner, Super Service Award, 2011, the only year that mattered. Yeah, it just goes to just downhill. Yeah. After that. Yeah, yeah. It just gets awful. Angie's List really got, um, you know, got bought out by the corporate interest at that point, and uh, you just couldn't trust Angie anymore. You know, Angie betrayed us. Mm. Jerry Matula, he'll wear the he'll wear the booties for you. Finest plumber in all the land. Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado. Have you ever been up to Evergroove, Ruben? I don't think so. Oh, dude, it's beautiful. First of all, it's located, it's settled right in the middle of the Black and Shadow Mountain region. I think it's in between Black and Shadow Mountain, in fact. I have to look that up. I've never looked that up before coming in here and have just winged it every single time. You think by now. Don't, don't bother it looking it up. Just no, let it, this, go. Let it be point, magical. Let at, it be magical. At this point, it's just part of the script. Uh, yeah. In between the Black and Shadow Mountain region and Evergreen, Colorado is a recording studio unlike any other. The best in Evergreen, in Colorado, in the Western United States, in the United States. On the planet Earth, in the universe, solar powered. Speaking of the sun, I love I love what they do up there. But I wish they would have their events down on, here. On, yeah, on days when they didn't <coughs> have things going on. I've I've tried to get to their like little open house studio. Oh, things. their anniversary parties. Yeah, the anniversary parties and things like that. Like I've missed. They're like, great. Two or three of them, and I I really want to go and check it out because I've never actually set foot in there, and they've mastered like. A You've bunch never of been stuff. up there? No. Oh, dude, it's such no. a cool place. It's beautiful up there. It's just like, dude, if you're driving too fast, you you'll blow right by it. Like it's like tucked away in this like grove of evergreens, you know? It's dude, it should be Evergrove, really. Because it's Evergrove. a grove. Evergrove. Uh go see Brad and Jenny about your next project. Seriously, the best studio there is. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. 2712 Larimer Street in the Rhino District, Denver, Colorado. Fully furnished, uh, uh, gear-savvy, staffed um, rehearsal studios by the hour. Don't have sex there, but make music. See, here's the thing. Boundaries, boundaries. Have sex with person once, they'll be horny in an hour. Maybe. Teach them how to make music and therefore have more sex because everyone knows that's what music does for you, right? It makes sex happen, right? Is that that's, true? Well, that's, I don't know. That, yeah. that is the, There's uh, music on that's everything. the lore. That's the lore. Legend has it that, well, like it's like the eat a fish, teach a man to fish thing. Rocket space rehearsal studios. You ain't got to carry shit. He who cuts his own wood is twice warmed. <laughs> Is that part of the lore? You're, you're is that welcome. What's on, is you're that, welcome for that one. Is that on the? Uh, is that on your fucking your, the Gordon family crest? Dude, that is literally <laughs> something that was in the crapper of a family, somebody's somebody's house. That, you know, like it was, it was my aunt or my my grandmother or something. Hey, like, who cuts his own wood? 
He who cuts his own wood is twice warmed. It would be better if it said he who saws his own logs because it's in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like you sit down on the toilet and it's right in front of you. He who saws his own logs. He who cuts his own logs is twice warmed. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. You ain't got to carry shit. Which uh, which episode is Kate on? Is that 68? It might be. The Kate Same. episode's a good one, man. Dude, it's, the Kate it's episode, very good. The Kate episode was one of our most popular episodes. 67. People, 67. Episode 67. Check out 67, kids. Yeah. Uh, Kate from Rocket Space is on that episode. Man, dude, she just got engaged. Congratulations oh, that's right. to Kate. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, big time shout out, man. Lo- love to see that shit. Love, love, man. It's good shit. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. Mutiny Information Cafe on South Broadway here in Denver, Colorado. It is the oasis. Smack dab in the heart of Denver. Books, records, pinball, live events, coffee. Nobody has a larger selection of Torini syrups. Nobody! And they've got tabletop games. They're casting the pod in the basement. And they are casting the pod in the basement, which I think is awesome. They came by here in the studio, and, and man, have you seen the pictures of the, the podcasting studio in the basement? Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. They had Kyle Kinane down there this weekend. Sweet. Yeah, I saw pictures of that. Dude, I kind of wish I'd gone to High Plains Comedy, but any major festival down on South Broadway just sounds like a panic attack to me. <laughs> just because- I, I understand that. Just because it takes a lot to get in there, and it takes a lot to get out of there, you know? You got to park either really far away or in the middle of the most congested insanity around. Where do you even go there anymore? Uh, I mean, I still pop into the Kings once in a while. I pop into Mutiny Information Cafe quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. High Dive's still doing stuff. Skylark's still doing stuff. There's tons going on down there. It's just changing a lot. Aaron Howell in Escape from South Broadway. (laughs) Dude, actually, there's going to be a scene. Okay, we had this idea for a music video a long time ago, and I think what we'll probably end up doing is writing it into the comic. I really want to do it as a live action thing, though. I want to do a Warriors uh, mock. I want to to do a, a parody of the Warriors. And we are like, but we have to escape from South Broadway. But there's all these different types of gangs associated with the different clubs on Broadway. Like basically we're trying to get from, uh, where would we, we would be trying to get from like 404 to Three Kings. Something like that. And we'd like come across all these different gangs from oh, you different have like bars. The, the crocabillies and you have the uh yeah. the skinny geners. We'd have the, to in the uh in the what what else? Oh, we would yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd have to like like fight a Skylark gang or something like that. That's the that yeah, that's the, the yeah. croc lobsters. The croc lobster <laughs> the croc lobsters. Well, but then the final fight was going to be us play uh it was gonna be us fighting like some bad guys from the high dive gang like and basically like we were going to have a wizard i was going to have jermaine smith play the fucking this wizard who like gives us like a case of beer and a giant bag of cocaine (laughs) and we use that to defeat the gang at fucking the the like high dive gang (laughs) and 
What was the name? What was the name of the like the biggest gang in the Warriors? The one like, sorry about that, Warriors. Like, like you Warriors are pretty good, the best. Like, who's the like big gang? The Boppers or something like that? Uh, yeah, I can't recall. So like the Boppers, like the mega gang, would be replaced by the Truids, which would be this like, like, like this group of mystic like. That like this like mystic overlord gang that like inhabits true, yeah. Anyway, wow. I really would love to get a budget for that and do it someday. Dude, that sounds like, great. Yeah. That after that ice cream. Yeah. Before. Anyway, Muni Information <laughs> Cafe. <Holy shit>. Muni <laughs> Information. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. Hey, drugs affect people in a lot of different ways, don't they? Anyway, Muni Information Cafe. This is a mutiny transmission. Um, it's one of the few mutiny transmissions, like get ready to see a lot more mutiny transmissions coming out of the basement there. They're going to be putting out some good shit. Much love to the dudes over there at Mutiny Information Cafe. Stop by, tell them that the boys sent you. TheNugNation.com. Go there to see all the Nugs in their wacky adventures through the town of Nugville. Check out Bong Burgundy's interviews with... Red Man and Afro Man and Nappy Roots and Jaron Benton. Check out the video we did with Billy Ray Cyrus. And uh, also check out some of the serialized episodes that are really fun with the Nugs and their wacky adventures through Nugville. Did I already say that? Yeah, I think I already said that. This is recorded at the Nug Nation studios at an undisclosed, undisclosed location. We're making a lot of magical stuff. Dude, we got big stuff we're working on right now. Big stuff. What'd you think of the tour, by the way? This place is fucking cool. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Anyway, go to the Nug Nation. It's hard to explain to people, but... Yeah, it's like... It's like you have to see it. It's so fucking cool. It's just a weird little space where we're... It's a making stuff space. It's the Nug Nation Megaplex. Yeah, there's... uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. There's some big things in the works right now, and I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to see... Bigger than Billy Ray Virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking cool. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Oh, Flipside Music on South Tacoma Street. Go see Ike. We got Ike coming up on the show here soon, actually. Excellent. Uh, and uh, Ike has... Flipside is what I would call a boutique-style equipment store. They, you know, they're a small space, so they only have room for the best stuff. Guitars, pedals, amplifiers, really anything you need. Ike can make it happen for you. He's got a lot of contacts because he's in a secret society known <laughs> as the Sacred Order of the Baldman. Baldsman. Baldsman. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a it's, real Yeah, thing. it's plural. It's Baldsman. A, <laughs> <laughs> it's like workman versus worksman. It's called worksmanship. Yeah. yeah. It's called baldsmanship. By the way, the baldsmanship is a new cruise, a new theme cruise from Carnival Cruise Lines. <laughs> Come mix it up with other Baldsmen. Join the order of the Baldsmen. Join go, now. Go to No Man's Land. <laughs> go to Baldsmen, Baldmansland.com. Oh, and last but most, I want to give a shout out to the handful of generous, beautiful, wonderful, uh, amazing people who back us via a monthly contribution on Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. You guys make the goddamn world go round. Because of you, this podcast happens. We're able to fly Tony in for shows. Uh, man, we're working on some new comics. I actually met up with Jake Fairley the other day to talk about breakdowns for the new comic. It's pretty exciting stuff. 
So uh, thank you so much, guys. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, if you want to learn more, go to patreon.com slash mfruckis. Okay. Back with Ruben. Patino. So you guys have to fly a guitar player to home. Yeah, I mean, Tony has lived here twice. Uh-huh. And we got a lot of work done every time he was here. And I'm glad that he did. But basically, after the first time Tony moved back, I was like, I will figure out a way to make it work no matter what. Right. That's commitment to to your dude, man. Yeah. Like, that's that is my guitar player and I am his singer. God damn it. Fuck yeah. And when he was going to move the first time, I was like, we'll figure out whatever whatever it takes to, to make it work. And so when he moved back the second time, it was just like, okay, see ya. No big deal. I'll talk to you on the phone once a week. You know, Tony and I probably talk on the phone once or twice a week. Yeah. And we're able to collaborate long distance. You know, it doesn't happen as fast as you'd like. But Tony and I also have this kind of weird way of writing where once every couple of years he'll come into town or we'll just happen to have this gap of time where we're hanging out and we'll sit down and make up 10 things just sitting out on the porch bullshitting. Just stupid little ideas. And then we get at, we, we either don't get in the habit or he goes home or, or whatever, but then we spend the next several years just trying to very gradually build those initial ideas into songs. I mean, the stuff we're getting ready to put out probably was conceived of over five or six years ago. And then we'll have this new batch of stuff that'll, that we're working on now that'll come out six years from now. You know what I mean? We're playing it in this really long game kind of way. But yeah, uh, flying him back and forth has been better for us because it really filters out the gigs that we take yeah. And it really makes his time out here more precious. We just get a lot more done with those parameters. You know what I mean? Do yeah. you find that the having a guy, this, same yeah. thing? Same thing. So uh, tell me the name of the Hollywood dude. Jorge. Jorge. Okay. Yeah. So so when Jorge comes out here, like you um, guys are just grinding. Like what is, what is, how long does he come out here yeah. for at a time? Well, it kind of depends. Um, we have Fest coming up. So that's so you guys are actually going to go play fest. Well, and pre-fest, so we're going to be out for probably a week or so. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, are you going to rehearse ahead of time for that? No, no, no. You're just going to go out there and do it. Do you guys? Yeah, so everybody's just do. kind of expected to take care of it on their own. Yeah. Well, I mean, normally we would, but we just you know we just got done with this tour, so um, we're kind of like it's going to be the same. You know. Plus, when you know your songs, you know your songs. Yeah, so you know you just got to go in and knock the dust off a little bit. But yeah. when I mean, you know you know, your, we only got thirty minutes to fill. So right, right, right. You know, throw as many songs as we can put in there for everybody. So, so tell me about. Let's take it back real quick. I want to hear about what led you to come to the states. Oh yeah, and then what has been going on since then? Like what? What? Let's just start with that. What led okay. to you leaving Peru and coming to the States? Uh, dude, I guess that was just like, um, just kind of being wondering, you know, like what, like there's, there wasn't really like a whole lot to do. Right. You know, like almost no, like, like a good future, you know, like 
what am I going to do? Opportunities are yeah, limited. Yeah, like, what am I going to do? You know, like, right, right. I like my whole life ahead of me. What did you want to do? What were you interested in? Well, I want to always play music. You right. Know, that was always, it's always been my thing, but um, I didn't, I don't, you know, I, I didn't really have a skill or any really interest in anything. Right. Except for like, you know, music. Um, but, you know, I knew that was kind of like not going to happen kind of thing. Right, you know? right. Especially in the yeah. circumstances you were in. Right. So I just took like whatever jobs, you know, and fuck, I, I mean, I've done all kinds of shit. You know? Right, 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 right. Um, until I, well, fuck, I don't, you know, I don't, fuck. I don't know. I had, I've been in the restaurant business. I've been in fucking um construction and uh and then a little bit of everything i mean you know like i even done like a moving i work for a moving company right 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 uh shit like that so general labor type of stuff yeah i was like yeah. really had no idea what you know what to do or whatever so when 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 would you say you made the decision like what came before you made the decision to come up here like what was kind of just like the 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 final decision that you made um i i don't know i get i really don't know i i just thought go try something new you know right something right. way different you know like right. a whole other language a whole other culture you know see how they you know i mean a lot of the shit that i like as you know since i was growing up like bands and shit came from you know either the states or europe right so, right you right. know i I kind of wanted to be in one of those places. One of those two. Okay. You know, because I figured I fit in, you know, better. Like where I grew up, it was all about like the soccer and like, right. you know, that kind of shit, you know, like fast cars, you know. Right, shit right, like that. right. Um, um, Not really a lot of what you were into. Yeah, like there parties, was, there, you know, was like, there was the underground scene yeah, and stuff then, like that, but yeah. it wasn't, it, you weren't really going anywhere. Yeah, we, like, you know, I was skate, you know, with skateboarders, you know, and fucking play shows and like people's houses or basements or whatever like we like my band will play anywhere right 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 like anywhere dude right you know and uh so had the band broken up when you decided to move up here well yeah like like you guys just weren't doing it anymore and and you just didn't have a lot going on um yeah so when it, did you guys break up i don't think like we really broke up it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, just it like, just kind of everybody was kind of like traveling too, and right, it right. took a while for them to. There's been a few versions of the band, right? With like you know people to you know like went in there and filled, you know until. I moved out in 2000 and I didn't come back till like almost 2005. That's oh wow, the, that's the first time. So like five years after I went back and played a show with them. Oh wow, um, and then I've been playing with them, ever since. So what you was know, that? What was that shows. like? What was that like being up here for five years and then going back down there? It was rough, man, because you know, like you're pretty much away from everything you grew up with. You know, right. Like you, you don't have a lot of friends, and you don't know. You know, like it's hard to like to find the place that you know it's gonna, you know, like that's gonna fit. You know, whatever. Right. You know, like, you know, if there's shows, you know, you can go to or, or did cool you places to drink did you something. have contacts up here? Like where? OK, so when you first came up here, mm -hmm. where did you stay? Like, who did you? I was at my uncle's house in Florida. 
Okay, so you had an uh, uncle up in Florida and you wouldn't stay with him. Yeah, but he was in like this residential area where like they were, you know, far away from downtown. Right, there wasn't a lot going so on. So to, to get to shows was a pain in the ass, dude. I had to take the train, you know, and I mean, I went to a few shows, you know, saw some punk bands and there's some punk shows. How long were you there? How long oh, were you Oh, that didn't Florida? last, fuck, like six months. Oh, only like six yeah, months, okay. Maybe. And then where mm -hmm. did you go from there? Colorado. You've been in Colorado since then? Yeah, so, so that would have been like maybe beginning of, Like beginning of 2001. That's probably shortly before we met, right? Yeah, like we, yeah. we we met in the early 2000s, right. yeah. I would have to say. Oh, yeah, we, I, that's because when were you playing with Reno Divorce? No, that was until 2010. Okay, so 2010, you were playing with Reno Divorce, and I right. think I met you for the first time when you were playing no, with Reno Divorce. We used to play shows at the Climax and shit with fourth year freshmen. What what band? With Suburban Hostage. That's a, you were in Suburban oh, Hostage right. too. Yeah. So that's, that's, oh! what, but there was like, there was a bunch of fucking versions of Suburban Hostage, but me and my brother were in all of them. So, okay. That's a great band name, by the way. <laughs> oh, dude, that's, that's Ross Hostage. <coughs> right. Um, Brett. And Brett, uh, you know, Brett from Minor Note or, or who was in Minor Note forever right. and fucking, he was in Hot Apostles for a right, bit. Right. He was the uh, bass, bass player for Hot Apostles. Okay. Um, um, and, and yeah, Ross Hostage, who was in DJ. All Out Helter. Uh, yeah. And uh, does he still write for for the love of punk, or is for the love of punk gone? Or I'm not really sure. No, I don't think it, I don't think there's a lot going on with that. Yeah. You know, after Johnny passed. Yeah, know? yeah. After Johnny passed, right? So, um, yeah. So, okay. So, so you were in Suburban Hostage. So right. we played shows together with Suburban Hostage too. So yeah. So. So that I, was like the first Suburban Hostage with, with that play shows. Right with you guys was about at least 2002. Jesus Christ. Do you feel a hundred years old? I feel like I'm a hundred years old. I and then Gordo, man. and then Gordo feels a hundred years old when he hangs out with us. It doesn't seem like that. It's been that long. And that yeah, much I'm, I'm, I'm used by. to being the oldest dude. It, in the room. It, dude, I just think about my parents were 26 when they had me. No, my that's, that's all I was my parents' about. parents were teenagers when they had them. Yeah. You know, they were like 18, 19 years old. Oh, makes you wonder what your kids are gonna do. Huh? Dude, <laughs> well, but I think, dude, that's what I said. I was telling Sarah yesterday, I was like, I was doing an impression of Ransom as an adult. And I was like, I was like, and then we'll be like, what, huh? I'm a hundred years old. <laughs> Cause it takes people forever to get well, married. How long has it been like almost, fuck 20 years, like 18 years. Long time, dude. And it's like, I think about how much previous generations gave up because of what they had to do to provide and, and, and also in a, in a large way, how, what they thought they needed to do in order to provide. Like it, it has been kind of culturally <coughs> held for a long time that it's just like you have your kids and then that's kind of the end of everything else or you have a, 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 a like a relationship and that's the end of everything of else. cultural norms floating around. What was, yeah, the, yeah. what was the lineup in, when we met when, uh, for a fourth year freshman? Who was in that band? Was that, in fourth year freshman? Was Jerry in oh, the band? Oh, that was, Jerry was in the band? Okay, so when we, by the time we did Rock Your Box and change the band name, um, we, it was, uh, Ty was playing drums, Logan on bass. Right. Uh, Tay had been our main guitar player for a long time. Tay yeah. Hamilton. Yep. And then Jerry was in the band playing rhythm because the thinking. So like after 
<coughs> Jordan Waliba quit. Uh, my brother was trying out and um, we had Tay who is supposed to be filling in temporarily. Like our whole theory was like, we'll get a few guitar players so that Jerry can practice guitar with them and get better. And eventually people will kind of phase their way out. No, and our, and our thinking and our thinking was Jerry can't play guitar, but he's fucking hilarious. He's fucking Jerry. And he's a crazy person. All the fucking tattoos. Oh, I know, dude. dude. Fucking rad. Jerry Cass, Jerry Cass is the most like, first of all, he is one of the underrated geniuses of our time. And I say that in all sincerity. If you like the stuff that that guy writes and the, just the way he constructs just jokes on the fly and makes people laugh, like that is, that is a form of brilliance. Yeah, it, we, were, we were big fans of fucking fourth year freshman. Dude, that was fun. I, I'm really happy to hear that, man. That was, you know, those were really fun times. Tay booked us on your, one of your CD releases. The one with the, Absolutely. With the girl. Yeah, that's the, the Rock Your Box album. That's right. You guys were we on that, that at Bender's. Yeah. It was at Bender's. Bender's Tavern. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Tay booked us. Man. Tay was like, here you go. Because every time I see Tay, I was like, dude, when am I going to play with your band? Shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he calls one day. He's like, there you go. Like, yep. fuck you. You happy? Dude, we you would. Know? I was that, like, that, yes. Dude, we, want, we wanted to play with we wanted to play with everybody, man. That was our thing. Is we, wanted to, we wanted to play with everybody yeah. and we wanted to get to know people. Unfortunately, I just drank so much back then that I missed. I missed a lot. Oh, I yeah. missed a lot that I was present for. You know what I mean? I missed. Yeah, that, yeah. that happens. Yeah, I missed a whole lot of things. Like, dude, we play a shit ton of shows. Dude, I just realized recently, I didn't <coughs> really start enjoying shows, like show shows, until, you quit until I quit drinking yeah. and got older. And then I started like, like, dude, I would go see bands, and I'm like, I've seen this band before. And I don't remember them being this good, or I don't remember, I don't remember, like, I don't remember paying attention. Like, nothing stood out to me about it. And then, like, something about going when <coughs> you're not there for the, you're not there to get wasted, which is so much what those early shows are about for. Dude, those, like, 15th Street Tavern shows were fucking oh, gnarly, dude. 15th Street Larry Tavern. Lounge. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fuck, but the stage was so small. Right? And now everybody's got their kids and their wives oh, and their dude. careers and their hairlines, and we're all just just changing. Ah, uh, anyway, yeah, okay. So a little bit. So you came you came to Colorado then. So by the time by the time you got to us, mm-hmm. like the by the time that I met you, probably mm. you were still pretty new in country. Like you yeah. still hadn't been here that long. How old were you in? Let's see. So you were born um, in eighty. So uh, in two thousand ten, or was, sorry, in two thousand, you were twenty years old. Right. So uh, two thousand and five or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. would have been you know, uh, twenty-five. Yeah. And we, I mean, twenty-five. We were playing with Super Hostage. Yeah. Yeah. So whichever version at the time. I mean, yeah, we always kept the fucking band going, you know. But it wasn't until like you know Ross came in the band with uh, Brett. And uh, and Felipe, you know, that it, with TJ, that was like the lineup that was on the records and whatever. right, right. But then, uh, you know, I don't know what I really don't know what happened to TJ, dude. Kind of went fucking 
Guy disappear, you know? Just disappear. Just like that age, you know? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes people disappear. Yeah, I've had lots of friends you know. just vanish. And then, uh, but then, you know, I, we hear back from him, you know, fucking Facebook and shit. He's doing good. Yeah. So, um, um, then we, you know, Felipe had to, Felipe went to school. Where did he go to school? Full sail in Florida. Oh, full sail in Florida. Okay. So, we so lost. you guys took some time off from, so. No, we actually went on fucking, we went on a West Coast tour. <laughs> <laughs> With who? With Suburban Hostage? Yeah, we took this guy, Jeff. There was a fucking Berkeley fucking oh, uh, graduate. So you, you, just kept, you just kept going while your brother was in school. Yeah. Okay. So he missed that too. That was a cool tour, man. That was with Brad, Jeff, me. Ross uh, hostage. So what gets you into what gets you into Reno divorce? Um, I had quit suburban hostage because I just didn't think that everybody was like pointing at the same direction. You right, know? Like, that'll I happen. Just, so I, I just kind of fucking was just tired of it. So I was like, whatever. I'm. I just want out. Fuck. Mm -hmm. You know. And uh, but you know, I think they're all great musicians. Every single one of them had like brought so much to there was even like a rehearsal like there was so much energy right right you know, right like, right it, i mean like you're sweating dude and like fucking this music was really fucking hard dude and loud you guys and, were a great band man you know and uh i i, I it was a great band yeah you know oh suburban um, hostage was a great band yeah i loved it uh so then i was you know uh just kind of not doing anything and um you know Ross from uh Ross from Dr. Neptune. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know what happened with Reno and his drummer, really. Like how he went down. I mean, there's so many stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyhow, he's like, fuck you, I'm out. And bails before a European tour. What? Yeah, so Dude, why why would you why would you bail before the tour? To be so a many, dick. There's so many there's stories like that, though. Yeah, and that's usually even that's if usually, it's to be Ruben, a dick. You have a point. Like that's that's is I, the only real reason. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's actually been the and case. You know, the, you're gonna win it. The bands that I have seen that have had that happen, it's usually it's like <coughs> trying to prove a point. It just to me now. This is just where my values are structured. To me, it feels kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face because I love traveling. And if I had an opportunity to go over to Europe for free, even if like, it, it even just, if I knew I was on my way out, I'd be like, all right. It just all depends. As soon as on, I get back from this tour, I'm out of here. It just all depends on like what they do, you know. Yeah. Which drummer was this? That was Andrew. And okay, is he's, he is he the one? Great dude, man. Is he the one? Great drummer too. Yeah. Is who was the drummer that Logan got into it with, or who was the? No, he had into it with Johnny. He got into it with Johnny? At Moe's. At Moe's, yeah. Did you ever hear that story? Johnny's a little mouthy. <laughs> no, what, what happened there? What, I was I, like, dude, these dudes are like our brothers, dude, you it, idiot. No, it's, it's, because, it's because we have a shitty, mean sense of humor in our group. And, uh, and I think one of the things, like, we've been one of those groups of guys who at different points has, like, Ha like we went through a period of time where we were playing the slap each other game, you know, where you just slap each other all the time. And we, uh, we had a period of time where with bands that we were friends with and to each other 
after a show, we would say, hey, guys, nice try. You know, hey, maybe oh, next boy. time. You know, just like, That's just do that happened? to each other. Well, like, Logan Logan just went up and was just like, just joking around and was like, hey, man, nice try. You know, just like trying to start the conversation, oh, going, just talking. And he Yikes. went, what? What the fuck? And got mad, understandably, because yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. understand the context of the joke. Oh, boy. And wow. Logan was like, Logan was like, I'm sorry, man. That was a joke. That's kind of a thing that we just do to each other. And he continued to get mad. And then I think it got a little heated and yeah, it, yeah, it, it escalated like, from there. Fuck. Yeah. Moe's barbecue. We're all friends. Yeah, yeah, we're all friends. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Okay. So, so tell me. So, uh, okay. So, so how do you end up? So, you end up, you end up taking so, over the spot drum well, right before well, a European no, tour. Then. Scott from Potato Pirates, Pirates. Okay. Filled in and went on that tour. Okay. And then he got them through the tour. They came back and then, uh, you know, he went back to, you know, he wanted to be with the Potato Pirates right. and stuff. So Ross from Dr. Neptune calls Brent and tells him, dude, you should call this guy Ruben. He's, you know, he's a drummer and he's not doing anything. Right. You know? So Brent calls. And I said, yeah, you know, he said he wanted me to do an audition or something. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, fuck, okay. But I was like, uh, do this come to my house, dude? He was like, you know, I don't want to like move my drums. Right, and right, right. I was like, just bring your guitar. I have a PA, I have everything. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay. So he came over and we kind of jammed a little bit. And so he tells me to learn all these songs. And I was like, dude, no, man, I'm going to fucking... You know, I'm gonna learn maybe like four. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn maybe like four. And I think like to this day, and like you know, I love Brent, dude. We're good buddies, and you know, like after everything, like we're good, like you know. But you just he said always you were hated that I never practiced any of the songs, and like he wanted to, like <laughs> oh, yeah. people were like. Play this fucking song from like you know the first fucking record. I'd be like, I don't fucking know that song. <laughs> and he'll be so pissed because it's like, what are you doing with your fucking time, dude? Understandably you know? so. You're just like, nah. I'm gonna learn four of them. So 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 then, dude, like you I'm know, he's mad about. Brand, you know, big fucking rock star. He's like, calls and he's like, okay, now I need you to come do an audition. I'm like, dude, no way, man. I gotta fuck. And uh, so I was like, I'll go. I told him, I'll go, but I'll bring my drums. Right. You know, because he's like, there's a drum set here you can use. I'm like, fuck, no. Because, you know, I, I want to play my own drums. Right, right, right. So yeah, I go I over there. Gear. Yeah, it. fucking play the four songs, the four I learned. And I mean, I fucking nailed it, you know? Like, it was all the, you know, I did everything, like, I'm into the record, you know, but it was only four songs. Right, right. But then uh, the only one that I, that didn't want me in the band was Ty at that time. At that time, right. We are, me and Ty are very close, good friends and shit. You know? He's but, a sweetheart. But I he love was that very Ty. strict. He didn't like people that drink or smoke weed or oh. did it. You know, and because, uh, you know, drugs were being an issue at the time right. in the band. And, right. Uh, so he was very protective and very... I think that was one of the reasons. That, the other reason, I, I think, I guess, I don't know how true that is, but he tells it, you know, like he said that he went and saw me at the, uh, 
last suburban hostage show or something, I guess. Right. We did like a, our last show. And um, so he was there and he said, you know, like, yeah, I went and I introduced myself and I said, hey, I'm time for Marino divorce. And he said, oh, yeah, I shook my hand and left. <laughs> <laughs> so he got kind of like, he didn't really like me from the get go. Right, right, he right, right, right. He rude, you know, whatever. I don't know. He was kind of sensitive. Well, he was he was testing you out, you I'm know, sure. But, you know, for the big longest time, you know, like Ty and I always kind of had a little bit of a problem, you know, because he was very protective. Right. He was a, he's a good guy, you know, everything's cool, but But he take he takes his band seriously. Yeah, it was uh kind of like very strict. Yeah. I just had gone out of a like a crazy ass relationship with my first ex-wife. And um, so, you know, I wanted to like kind of hang out too, you know, like, I mean, we're fucking in Europe for like 30 days. Right. Or you know, so we're like hanging out. I want to go hang out. And oh, out so you were the loose cannon. Not really like a loose cannon, <laughs> but I wanted to kind of hang out and party, you know, and there was always something fucking going on. He was know? the wild card, man. Well, and Timmy was too, man. Well, hey, and and you are in Me Europe. And Timmy you are in life. Europe for 30 days. By the t- by, the time we got over there on tour, we were all married. So, so oh, I applaud yeah. and I envy you for being able to have that experience. But luckily, every time I've been out there, I've been single. So yeah, it's a, so so where all where all did you travel to in the time that you were playing with Reno Divorce? Oh fuck, all over the states. Um, and what what were what were some of the proudest accomplishments that you did while you were with Reno Divorce? Some of your favorite, you know, some of the highlights. When I was with Reno, I feel like there was like so much hope for the band. Right. You know, like we all really thought that we could like quote unquote make it or something. Right. You know, like we were doing some things that I think it was more than what everybody had expected. Right. And you guys were doing, you guys were <coughs> starting to pick up some steam in Europe too, yeah. right? Yeah. So, oh yeah. Like, I mean, you know, Shows are getting fucking sold out, you know, like a small venues, you know, but it's still sold out. And the the first time I went with them, and it was 2011, and uh, I didn't think that they will, you know, fill the venue like Wild at Heart, you know. And, right, right, right. And uh, and they do, you know. Yeah. And, and they love them in that venue. Oh, I'm sure. You know, Wild at Heart's pretty cool. Yeah, I like you know, that place. I, I was just there, dude. And there's a big fucking poster on the fucking ceiling. Oh I yeah, think. we saw it there. I think yeah. I sent a picture of it to you well, guys. We, I was sitting. That's where you set the merch. So I was setting up the merch, and I happened to look up, and I'm like, holy fuck! You know what is fucking crazy, dude? What? When we were going up on stage at Wild at Heart. They were playing uh, Supercharger by Reno Divorce. Really? That was a mindfuck. Yeah? Yeah. For of me. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Listening to them play your and music. I don't know why they play that because, you know, Uli there knows that I play with Reno. Right. You know, um, but uh, but I don't know if he, that's why he did it. No, it just or came if on. It just came on. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure that it just happened know. to come on. But uh, it's crazy. So, yeah, I. I I, I nailed those four songs. I think Ty was kind of like not into it too much, but you know, Timmy really fucking felt like he was a good fit and so did Brent, so boom, I was in the band. Right, right. So <clears throat> so do you have like this proving ground now? Like, 
Like, like at this time, are you like having to like prove yourself to Ty to get him on your side or what? No, not really. I mean, we we have like an abrasive relationship, but I was always very mouthy. And, right, you know, right, and, right. Like, he was always, <laughs> it was abrasive, you but know, but you you were not. He was you timid, were complicit you know, in it. Ty's, yeah. you know, he, you can easily get in his head, you know, because you know, <laughs> he's he's fucking like a you know, could like he can be a little naive sometimes, you know, like you can like. <laughs> But then again, I love Ty's a great human. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is just like, you know, like you get around shit like this, you know, like you're like fucking, I want to fuck with Ty and I know how. Right. And like he knows how to fuck with me too, you know, like, you know, like. It's that brotherly relationship. Like man. if I was mad at Ty, like if he pissed me off during the, the van ride, when we go to the fucking hotel, I get in the fucking bathroom and I pee all over the handle. <laughs> And that drive Ty crazy. Oh, man. To the point that he sometimes wouldn't even shower, man. I thought you were going to say, like, I'd hide his keys or, like. Oh, those were fucking. You bad, know, bad. I would, I would, like, again, put, like, we, we leave mustard packets in Logan's base case sometimes. And but it gets Ty real will, like, mad. Ty will drive me to that point. Brand would, too. <laughs> where you're pissing on the handle, like, on the Fuck, handle of dude. the toilet. Or the handle of the door. Oh, the, no, the handle on the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. dude! So how how long did you? How long were you guys able to stand each other? How long were you in the band? I was in the band <clears throat> five solid years. Five solid years. Five yeah. good years. Yeah, we did a lot in five years. So what um, did what did what did you do? What did you do between I Reno Divorce? Uh, well, what did you do between Reno Divorce and Bracheros? There was no Bracheros at the time. Well, no, but what did you do between them? Like, what did you do? Like, between the time that you got out of <coughs> oh uh, out of Reno Divorce uh -huh. and started Bracheros, oh, did yeah. you did you play with any other bands at that time, or was it just like uh, I did? I do some like feeling type shit for like uh, like the Scooches from New York. Okay. Um, they're a really good band and, and they sound good. So I like playing the song. So I, uh, you know, I've, I help them with whatever the other drummer can do. Right, 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 right. Um, and then um, I also have another project. But that's kind of more, more recent with uh, uh, Marco and Karen. Karen from, uh, she played here with Hemikuda. Oh, Karen, hey, Karen's coming on the show here soon, nice. actually. I got her on the books, man. Fuck I'm excited yeah. for that episode. Yeah. So she's our bass player. And then uh, Marco is this guy from, uh, he just recently moved from uh, Los Angeles. Wait, which band is this? This is Egoista. Egoista? Yeah. So what are you guys doing with that? What's, see, I saw, I saw some Egoista stuff. Tell yeah. me about that. What's up with that? So that's a band that we put together kind of like, you know, on the fly, really, you know, like, uh, Marco is this amazing musician that can, he, I mean, he's a drummer, but he plays guitar and bass, I mean, everything he sings mm -hmm. and he's a songwriter. So it's really cool to be able to work with someone so talented and right, you can right. learn so much from, you know? Right. So, um, so I decided to, you know, he said, you know, I got these songs and he like texted him, you know, he sent me a text with these songs. And I was like, dude, that's rap, man. I like, I like what I hear. Right. It's like, I'm looking for a drummer. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, um, so I was like, at the time, um, you know, like 
Karen and I were hanging out a lot and um, I was at the bar with uh, Marco and Karen was working and we're talking to Karen and Marco's like, well, we need to find a bass player. Right. I said, dude. Yeah. Duh. Right here. A bass player is literally so like you get, two you, feet away from your fucking dumbass. So you're in two power trios now then. Yeah. I right. Suppose. Two power trios. It's so much nicer to do everything as a three piece. It's just really, especially when they're all in Denver. Trios are the shit. Yeah. <laughs> trios are pretty cool. Yeah, Grand man. Funk Railroad, man. Fucking Motorhead man. at one point. And the best <coughs> years of Motorhead, arguably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fucking. So we, there's this little. Um, it's like a, I don't know, like a podcast too. Can you like say other name people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here? You can say whatever you want. So you know, Bart does that. Yeah, yeah, podcast, yeah. Uh, the from the uh, the Crash Pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so, we've had we've had Bart and Jen on here before. Yeah. So yeah, man. So yeah, they were really cool, man. They had us in there, you know, and um, I like how like I mean, he had all kinds of fucking cameras. I know, like, man. It, he's know? he's turning some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool it's little like show. Really rad, yeah. dude, and like all these microphones, and like he gets a really nice tone. And like I just had put some fresh fucking skins on my fucking drums too, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, everything sounded so amazing. You have to check it out, man. It's, yeah, it, I mean, the the challenging thing with any of those. Um, live video uh podcast types of shows is you got to have somebody who knows how to generate live sound and have it translate into cyberspace you know what i mean yeah. and bart is really good at that like he's so good at what he's he does, so man. involved dude like oh, he yeah. knows so much about you already because he's been so involved with well the, and he loves with the music he scene. loves he loves what he does exactly so everything comes out with passion man yeah you know, like no, it's fantastic yeah, so yeah, yeah I want to go, Bart. If you're listening, and you probably aren't, but Bart, if you're listening, uh, you better fucking. We be. would, we would love to do, we would love to do live at the Crash Pad. Thanks for offering. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just assume the invitation, and then I'm gonna hit him up before this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, You'll so be the next one. Guaranteed. So what what leads to what leads to making Los Bracheros? become well so we're Brino so that was so 2010 you know I'm done with Suburban Hostage go to Reno I did I think one one record two videos two European tours and fucking I don't know how many US tours fucking endless we were out all the fucking time that was a good thing about Ty like he, he Always wanted to be out on the road. Ty had a very, it was a very standard schedule into where like, you know, pretty much had us two weeks out every quarter sort of thing. Right, right, right. You know. That's um, smart. Yeah. And then, you know, he, the, Europe will come in the middle, like during like fucking uh, summer, like right. festival season. Right. So Reno was w working with a big booking agent at the time in there, you know, called MAD. Um, and uh, so they booked us a bunch of shows, and sometimes the routing was fucking crazy. Right, right, right. But um, long ass drives, man. But you learn from that shit. You did know? you guys do a nightliner, or did you rent a van and a trailer? Well, we rented a van, big enough for all the equipment, 
And oh, was it like a sprinter with like a right. cargo hold in the back? And we had our you guys go to Gate to Hell, don't you? Yeah, dude. Everybody goes. Robert at Gate to Hell, yeah. the coolest fucking dude, man. Yeah, such a cool guy. Yeah, yeah those are in Berlin, right? Uh, they're in Dortmund. Dortmund. Yeah, right. they're in Dortmund, man. Yeah, so that gets picked up by our tour manager. Our tour manager at the time was Ralph. He was he used to be like the me on motorheads tour manager. Oh no shit! Yeah, really cool dude, and uh, like, ev but everything with that dude was like fucking perfect he had to be like he will not wait you don't stop right you play, you're here to play shows right so it was hard to you know like when you party you know and you got to take a fucking cab dude and find your way through fucking germany oh and so, he was he was tming for you guys like he was he on was the road with manager. us yeah. so we had him backline van and then you know whatever guarantees we got from the booking agent and uh a lot of the times there will be a meal and a place to stay like a, a right right somewhere. they they give you like a they give you like a hot meal right. and a place to stay and yeah and they have they have like um they generally have lodging yeah. on the property yeah, or I mean, something even like that. anything from a squat house to fucking you know sometimes a hotel room yeah 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 so whatever you know if it was gnarly we like sometimes drive straight right to the next one and just kind of wait it out. I mean, some some drives were, were fucking. Oh yeah, we're pretty dumb, dude. I mean, Europe is is fucking huge when you but try. That's driving like what you get it. when you're such a small band. You know, like yep. you're like they're filling in whatever. No one's playing. I like we had to we had to drive from. Some v shows were good though. We had, we had to drive to from Vienna to Limburg, Belgium overnight. That's crazy. Yeah, that was dude. That drive was insane. It was so long. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what led oh, okay. to so, what led to Los Bracheros becoming a thing? Like when So then, you know, Reno I leave Reno in two thousand and fifteen and then now I'm back out with um I'm I'm really doing nothing. Um trying to start some shit with uh, I play with Mike from Ball Type sometimes and uh, Mike from Keen Rat. Right. With Tim and Ty again, Ty from Reno and you right. know when he wasn't in Reno anymore and, and Tim. I mean, everybody, dude. And yeah, just wherever you just can get nothing in. nothing fucking locking in. Right. Not feeling any of it, you know. I mean, some of it was cool, but most of it wasn't. Right. And it felt like a total waste of time. And I'm like, fuck, dude. If I'm going to do something, I got to do it now, man. And right. I had this, like, crazy, like... So, uh, do, do, do you know what a brichero is? I don't. So, a brichero is essentially... The, the 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 word brichero comes from uh, the word bridge. Okay. So what it's happening is these bricheros are creating this bridge between where they are to where they are going to go by having a target as an American or European fucking girl. So they go and they tell her, you know, hey, you know, this, this, and that, you know, I love you, blah, 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 boom, I'm out. You know, so it happens that I'm here, my brother is here, and the bass player is here. And at some point, we were all married to, like, white chicks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is at perfect. At some point, well, at yeah. some point, I think we I'm were all divorced. married to white chicks. Yeah. 
So now George is remarried. So that's what a Br- that's what a brachero is. Well, not some Br- that's Bruce what a brachero is. Is a brachero is right. like. So they they you know. So like is the spouse the brachero or is the gentleman the brachero or is the the, the, the the immigrant the brachero? Either one. I mean, you, it could be. Either one can be a brachero. Yeah, you can be you can be a brachero if you if you are involved in that transaction. Mm-hmm. You are a brachero or a brachera. Yeah. So you know. You, <laughs> You like marry this person with not really knowing him, really. You know. Right? No, dude. That shit. Ha- I mean, that shit happens all the time. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know several several old friends of mine and they'll, married, they'll, married guys and gals from other countries. You know, in yeah. Europe, like they'll straight up ask you sometimes. You know, hey, you know, like, can you get me papers and this and that and. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, you're a brichera. Brichera. No way, girl. I know you're kind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's no, so man. good yeah dude so you know so that's wow. what a brichero is so I was like dude this is this is fucking the perfect. three of us yeah so you know that was the one thing you had in common the the whole thing was you know we got to the states you know we got fucking now we're in this band you know we're old you know but you're still but you're still touring and putting stuff right. out like right, you right. like so you guys were able to just go to Europe right right were you able to put that together just because of the contacts you had from years of doing Reno Divorce or 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 has the the album been picked up? You know, catch me up on what you've done that's been so, able because yeah. I know I know there's gonna be some people listening who are gonna wanna know what you guys did in order to get there so quickly, you know, in yeah. in the formation of this band. Because because Bracheros have only been around a couple of years, right? Two years. Yeah, two years. <laughs> so in two years, you guys have started, put out what? Two albums? No, one album. One album. Two and, videos. Two videos and gone on tour to Europe. Europe and toured the U.S., right? U.S. Fest and uh, I don't know, some other cool show. So like how, how were you able to do that so rapidly? A lot of it uh, is, you know, the, the people that I've met over the years, right? You know, and, and the contacts and and yeah, that's m- m- you know mainly it. You know, it's good but, to have friends, right? Uh, all you got to do is make those first few friends. But it it takes it takes certain amount of work to get there. You just right. you know, it's not like you just get there. You know, right, so, right, right. You know, you've been at it a while. You know, we all been at it since we were literally kids. We were just talking about it. You know? Right, like, right. So, granted, you know, we've never like. You know we're like very unknown, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been a whole lot of or a whole bunch of work done. You know throughout the years. Well, and worst ca- okay, worst case scenario, you get to have a really kick-ass vacation yeah. where people are genuinely excited to invite you into your home, into their home, mm-hmm. and you'll get to have experiences that you won't normally have because people will want to introduce you to things in their town. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're there providing a service and entertaining them and all this stuff. Like it's, it's like a super reciprocal <coughs> discount vacation with benefits that money can't buy. I think it's also important that, you know, like your band has a certain image maybe. Yeah. You know, like, well, you have to, you have to have accessible branding. Like that's a, for sure. Right. Like a theme or something, you know, like right. Right. Chairs is like, well, you know, everything is a joke kind of like gets very political. Right. Right. You right. Know, and like, cause it's so heated with this shit, you know? And right. So right. Like right. Super political. And, you know, um, um, 
it's coming from actual immigrants. You right. Know? And when we have all these riots and all these all this shit that's happening, you know, like, you know, geo facilities and shit, you know, it's and, crazy. And you see the abuse towards immigrants, you know, yeah. like, you know, you, you feel really blessed that you are not going through that shit. You know, right. like how, you know, we were, we were in Berlin, dude, and we go through like, we went to Brandenburg. Right. You know, gate. Right. And we went through the fucking, they have that the monument over there for the, you know, the, people that died during the Holocaust. Right, 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 right. Dude, it's just so fucking crazy to walk through there and like right. imagine what the fuck was going down. Oh, yeah. You know, and that there's this still shit happening like that right now. Dude, it's just so unfucking real. I know. And it's like, it, it it's, it's like... It's like, how the fuck do you... Like, your mind can't even comprehend yeah. the level of suffering that is going on in those situations. Like it's just so stupid. But anyhow... It, yeah, pe- so. People separating themselves <laughs> from it. Yeah. They, okay, we were talking about language earlier. And, right. and I thought about this earlier. And it... You know, a big part... A big benefit of learning languages and why I, you know, unfortunately haven't followed through with it, but I've always been interested in learning languages is it's like... That is like literally one of the only things that keeps us apart from one another yeah. is that language barrier, you know, because we're yeah, all basically the same, yeah. right? We have mass communications across the globe yeah. and we are able to demonize people from other cultures or dehumanize, you know, it like like when we dehumanize those people from other cultures just through the fact that we can't communicate with them, like, like, like communicate with them. And like, we like build this like xenophobic narrative, you know what I mean? And that's like how people are able to distance themselves from it. Because if that language barrier wasn't there and we could have this like open dialogue around the people that are kind of controlling the flow of information, like if we all spoke each other's language and communicate, oh, there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be any need for those mother those those gatekeepers. So yeah. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think it seems as though technology is moving us in the direction of a universal language. Yeah. Do you think that'll ever happen? Uh, well, either that or hopefully kids are going to start learning because I think it, it's getting so competitive. The, the, right the now gaps that. the gaps in language will narrow. I'm hoping so because right now it's just like sad to like see a grown ass man trying to communicate with another grown ass man and not being able to. Right, I know, and it's super frustrating. And I meet technology. I meet people. I meet people in other countries, and I just I feel like such a dick, dude. Because I'm like I'm like I'm sorry. I only speak English. It's the literally the only language that I know. And and fortunately, I've been you know I've gone to countries where. They've taken up the slack from what like, we've refused to there's do. There's no reason here, why it I mean? should be that way. No. It's so easy to teach a kid, like just to teach him when they're young. And that's the time to teach him. And it's just expose it, it to you know, expose him to it. Dude, it, it, why is that not being done? I don't so, know. so, so much about what the the theme is for Los Proteros. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of it's, like very, it's kind of taking a satirical approach yeah, to the immigration problem. Yeah, very, uh, very political. Very, uh, you know. Like, so it's political with a sense of humor is kind of yeah, the way that you're presenting. Kind of also presenting the uh, current situation, like how, you know, like how it is. Like, if you still believe certain things, then at this point, you know, in time, you're kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so that's that's this, that's the whole thing with Bricheros. The the record was called "Making Our Way to the USA." You know, obvious reasons. Uh, right, right. Bricheros trying to get to the United States is what this was about. Right. Even though you know this is all a joke, you know, but it's part of like this is what we want to sell, you know, in a way, you know. And, you know, and when I was saying, like, you know, when we booked this European tour, I by no means, man, like, it was just kind of, like, given to us, dude. Like, no, no, no. But you we you fucking, were able to make phone yeah, calls and I mean, do the we work. We were fucking working hard, dude. We, like, rented our own equipment and drove it. We we didn't have a tour manager or anything. We were doing, we were doing everything. Right. So we're driving. We're collecting the money. We're fucking selling merch. Uh, doing all the promotion and I mean it took a lot of work it was like oh, yeah. very DIY but it, it brings you back to that you know those days to where it's almost cool to have to do that again anymore yeah. you know because it kind of brings some of that cool shit that you know kind of makes you feel younger in a way yeah well and it's fun to put that shit together like yeah. to sit and like build a tour itinerary it's almost more fun to put a tour together than it is to actually do a tour. That is when it comes together. When it's a super challenging tour, like in the early days when it was almost impossible to book tours, that was maddening and awful. But when things like come together, you're like calling up friends and they're like, I can get you a show at this place and this place. And you call up another friend, they're like, I can get you a show at this place. Like, that's very satisfying. It it fucking, you're like, we really want to play Austria because there's like, Austria is awesome. Where'd you play in Austria? We didn't. We wanted to, but we I couldn't book any local support because bands at this point, the ones that we wanted to play with, are kind of they kind of overplay already so, a little bit. So next time you go to Austria, uh-huh. try and go there on a weekend. And there's this place called U4, uh-huh. and it's like a, a famous discotheque in Vienna. All right, and one night a week they do the Addicted to Rock show. Right. This guy who's this like business owner in Vienna and he's like a DJ and just like he's a he's a he's a renaissance man. He's got his hands in a lot of things. He's he's got a small multimedia empire out there. He owns uh, he owns this shop, the the addicted rock shop where it's like an apparel shop and they do a radio show and podcast inside the shop. And then he hosts a weekly rock and roll show, like a punk rock show where they just. Like they open it like it's it's a giant discotheque and the pe- place fills up with people just to come see punk rock and metal so and hardcore we, bands. We wanted to play Innsbruck and we were going to play. We had the Jellyfish Club booked, which is mm-hmm. a pretty cool venue. But the local support, like I couldn't find anybody that could do it. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it was kind of like festival season. So a lot of the bands were out of town. That's a tough time to tour, man. And we were like, fuck. So we skipped the... Uh, Austria altogether. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, yeah summer's a Prague. tough time to go, man. Yeah, but we got to stay in Prague and added, you know, we added a house party that was really wild. Dude. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, man. So you know, we booked all these these tours. Um, we seem to do better out in Europe than we will ever do here. Probably. Well, yeah, that's that seems to be the consensus. So, and and you know what's great is you're seeing a lot more bands going over there, and it seems like yeah, it seems like the channels are opening up more and more. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of bands. travels getting cheaper and cheaper. It was nice to see like the you know the stickers you know from you guys and a lot of Reno divorce and yeah, man, we had a really good time out there. Yeah. I can't wait to get back out. So some Hemikuda shit. Oh yeah, 
There's tons of it. Yeah. So uh, what was what was your favorite part of the the last Bracheros tour? Because you guys just got back. We got back last week. Yeah. How many days were you out for? I think like twelve. Okay, twelve days. What was yeah. your what were some of your favorite parts of the tour? Um, you know, like the shows were amazing. Every single one of them had something special. Right. Uh, at least to me, they were like very small and very but very like there was a lot of you know a lot of people for the size of the venue you know right so they they were pretty cool shows man and like people were getting into it buying merch you know it was it was cool like you know like we were like holy fuck yeah man uh a lot of love so my favorite was probably wild heart and that's just because wild at heart is pretty awesome i love that venue you know since the first time i played did Karis do sound for you Uli did. U- Uli did. Yeah. 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 And um Yeah, dude, I mean it was my favorite show by far. Yeah, that place is pretty badass. Man. Then um I'd probably say, I don't know, Prague was the show in Prague was pretty good. Um Geneva was good. It was very small, but it was very intimate, very cool. Um I mean all like all the shows were cool, man. Yeah. You know, Lyon was or Leon was fucking really cool yeah yeah and the venue was sick dude like it was like this basement and it looked like a fucking cave or something dude they have a lot of those like cave looking dude, the drums venues. sounded so good dude i've I, we've played multiple cave shaped venues yeah. in the one i, th- in I think it's just because like everything's super fucking old there man yeah. mm. maybe they're onto something we need some more cavey venues yeah hey, uh, the, the sound is great oh dude it's amazing so what? So what is what is the? Hold on, real quick, Gordo. How much time are we at? We're about two forty-five. All right, all right. Well, we should probably we should probably veer towards the conclusion. Let me yeah. uh, let me just ask you. What? So you guys you guys are trying to. You guys are trying to spread a pretty significant message and a pretty timely message like with the band like you guys most of your music if not all of it is geared towards that aim right yeah so addresses a lot of political issues so with that in mind what what do you hope to see happen over the next five to ten years for you guys in relationship to kind of your mission Oh fuck! I don't know. Yeah, like uh, what? 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 What's your plan going forward? What's the future have in store for you guys? Uh, right now, we're trying to do this. We have some friends in Japan that uh, want to help us book a tour. So uh, we're trying to get there in 2020. We have. You're trying to go to Japan? You lucky <laughs> son of a bitch! Yeah. So that's, ah, that's what I'm oh, I've wanted to go on. to Japan for so fucking long, man. Yeah. So that's the goal. That's the big goal for 2020 is Japan. Um, Holy shit! How are you making that happen? Uh, with just with the help of friends. So we basically establish establish a budget, you know, just like any band would. Right. And you know, we try to get most of the money from merch. We like go pretty crazy on merch, and it actually works out to where right. you know, we can make some money. Yeah. We don't have any overhead. We don't have a band. We don't have anything. So it's a you know we we don't rehearse really. Right. Um. So. Um. We get to save all the money we make, we, you know, and, and uh, we uh, only uh, we have some, sometimes we have to spend some money on tickets, you know, for for Jorge, but 
that's all right. Um, well, but, and you're playing tickets to get right. overseas, but right, right. Know, and, but, what, what would you say your total cost is to get over there? To Germany or to, to get to, over to Europe? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we'd like, depending like a three piece, probably like about six grand. Yeah, yeah. It, it cost us. It cost us about ten grand to get over yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, six grand. You know, if you get. Well, you, how many people have you got in your band? We've got five of us. And we usually okay, we yeah. usually bring some kind of, like my dad comes with us. Now. Yeah, so it's two grand. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my dad comes with us. So that's it's great. like 2000 two a, a, a person, I guess. Like right. Or maybe your ticket and gives you like a thousand bucks for right. like, you know, 1500 or whatever. Right. Uh, so, it, so it's not a whole lot to come up with if you work hard, you know, and like right. actually save the money. Um, it can become sustainable <clears throat> if you do it right. right. So we, you know, we sell our records and uh, if there is, now we also have the, you know, like we are able to record for free because Felipe, you know, so. Right, right. That's a huge expense that we don't really have to worry about. Right. Um, so we're very lucky on that one. Um, so now we're just looking at like pressing, you know, and then uh, we were trying to do, uh, this record with a record label and uh, that went fucking crazy sideways, you know, <laughs> like fucking completely fucking stupid. Wait, fucking wait, what happened? Move. This dudes um, just didn't believe in what their product was, you know, like they didn't believe in the bands. They didn't believe in themselves. You know, they uh, started a record label and promised records to all these bands, signed like 15 bands in like a month and uh, never fucking put a record out. Never, ever, not once. I think they only have one record that it's a compilation that is the only uh, vinyl they ever had. So, you know, we signed a contract for vinyl. We had the master. So we are rushing the blasting room because that's where we were getting it. You uh, guys did the blasting room? We did. Yeah, we did. That's fucking awesome. Green door. We did drums and then bass and guitar at the blasting room. Vocals, the green door. Mix at green door and then master of the blasting room so we're like dude can we please get this because the record label needs it right away you know and they were really busy but they jason got it in there you know pretty quick and it was awesome and um so we were you know doing all our part we i, I had like hired jo uh joshua to do the fucking cover you know and everything and yeah, well, i was rushing him too you know and uh and i need this and i need that and blah 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 and now the record label is on a big thread with emails and you know right so we're getting all this out there you know we're paying uh, everybody that's involved and the record record label has everything we were supposed to release it in june in the summer and i had a tour booked in america mm -hmm. well dude i'm like checking in like may or something they haven't even sent a record out for production for, uh, for, a re for, for like even like a record, like a test press. At that point, doesn't it become breach of contract though? Well, yeah, of course. You, you know, it takes fucking 18 weeks to get a record out. Yeah, but then you've got to turn you around. And, and you're, how, how far off was the tour? Oh, it, we wouldn't have had any fucking product, you know, and, uh, and now, now that's assuming that they're actually going to send it in right now. Right, right, right. You know, which didn't happen. So we're fucking pissed off i tell these guys fuck you we're gonna do it ourselves so i tell george send this out to erica or whatever you know and he actually found erica because he had worked with them before um on another some other releases that we did um 
And uh, so we get the, the, the test, you know, the press and the test press and fucking we liked it. We signed off, dude, and we got our records. I went down to Peru and had this printing place made all the covers for us because they were like, I think I made a thousand of them for like 50 bucks. <laughs> you went wow. down. Wow. It was that's, stupid that's fucking cheap. <laughs> So I came You went back. down there and did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I sent out like- I've my, got to go down to Peru I to told collect my buddy, some dude, here's the, merchandise. Here's, here's the file, do this record. And they did it. When I got there, dude, for a show, all the covers were there. So I fucking picked them up. I flew back with those boxes. Yeah. And then, uh, so the record came out really, really cheap because we only did pressing, you know? So no, that's where they yes, get you is when you yeah. start doing the, the jacket and yeah, right. yeah. the record starts looking really cool and they're upselling you as much as they possibly can. Oh yeah. You know, so we're like, fuck that. We're going to do it super simple, but it's going to be super dirt cheap anyway. So we have a sleeve in there, fucking an insert, you know, and it's fucking cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came back with the big box of fucking records and we released it the same year, but in December. Very That's, fucking cool, man. Yeah, dude, we released it at Goose Town Tavern. We played with uh, Think Pitch Invasion, um, Fast Eddie, and the new narrative. That's fucking great, man. Yeah. It's been it like, all right. So I guess what we really, what we really need to do at this time is first of all, we need to uh, we need to plug where people can find you, like where people can look you up. And I want to know the next show that you have coming up. So the next show we have is Fest and Pre-Fest. Okay. It's the only thing we have booked right now. Um, we were going to play the Haley and the Crashers show, but they kind of like rush into like book it or something. And by the time I told them, yeah, we're, we're available uh she had already booked another band. Oh, okay. So we were kind of bummed because they're like a great band, you know, but... Um, yeah, they are a great band. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, we're probably going to go hang out anyway. Uh, but that's all we have is just pre-fest in Fest in Orlando. Um, is it in Orlando? Yeah, Orlando. Yeah. And um, that's it. All right. And then uh, we do have this live recording through this, like, little console pa whatever fucking bullshit deal they had in peru <laughs> hooked up to a computer right so this dude just like sends me a like a facebook thing i got this live recording and oh he got a bootleggy you guys yeah, so he fuck and i'm like holy fuck he was the sound guy dude and he's like i love bootlegs man you can have it for 200 solos <laughs> <laughs> 30 bucks or 70 bucks or something yeah sure man yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. PayPal you some fucking dough. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to kind of fix it up a little bit. And what we want to do is want to do like a either a seven or 10 inch, like 300 limited edition fucking EP, mm-hmm. you know, with the life. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Know, like four or five songs. Yeah. And uh, include a cover song or something, dude. And uh, uh, just be very like, you know, probably be like, just a double jacket, black and white, you know, fucking, cool. um, very simple. Yeah. It'll be fun and, though. And we'll do it. We'll do everything too. You know, like we'll just press them and then I'll, I'll get these shit printed out probably in Peru again, you know, and then bring my box of fucking, but it's only 300. Are you guys going to do a release party for it? 
Oh, I'm sure we will, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, we should do a show together. Fucking hey, dude. For dude, sure. I'd love it. And yeah. I really I really love, I love that you came down here MF to talk Rockers, to me. Dude. Thanks, you. man. That means a lot, dude. Fuck, dude. I love fourth year freshmen, MF Ruckus, all those bands, a lot of apostles. Thanks, man. All you guys are like, well, I either play shows with you, you've been to the studio, I don't know, something, you know. It's been it's been a long time, man, and I'm really I'm really glad that you're still doing it. And dude, I oh, yeah. I can't thank you enough for like coming in and like telling us some real shit from your story, <laughs> man. Because that was Serious, like there was. I heard, I heard some gnarly shit today, and 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 just, I'm just, dude, your your character arc has been amazing and enthralling. The cool thing was like, I think like it picked up, you know, like to where we were able to, you know, like the shit you got here, we were able to get it. It just take time, you know, but right, right, you know, like we, I mean, we fucking had to fucking really do some crazy shit to get music. Yeah, man. Especially like hard to find shit like vinyls and shit like collectors type shit, dude. Right, oh like yeah. Kind of like almost out of the question. Right. If you have it, dude, like it's like a huge deal, you know. Well, well, speaking of which, we end every episode with the one for the homies section. And in the one for the homies section, we want you to pick a band <coughs> that you think deserves a little extra love like a band that maybe you think people should know about and we'll add them to the end of the podcast so people can listen to it like while a local they're band? any band you want like mm-hmm. a band a band that's friend of yours it can be a band from Peru it can be a band that's like from your childhood that you think would or a band that you used to be in yeah, yeah. or or something like that like just a band that that has some significance in your heart and you think deserves a little extra love yeah, dude, like, uh, well, definitely right now, very into uh, erotic devices. Erotic devices? Yeah, they're from Berlin. These guys are fucking not only amazing fucking humans, they're very talented musicians, man, and they're, like, so fun to be on the road with. We were on the yeah, road yeah. with these, 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 these cats, man, and they're, like, fucking rad. Um, they're just, like, so, like, they have such good hearts, you know, and, like, they're always... Everything's always, dude, everything's always cool. Right, right, We got six fucking dudes, man. You know, like, some are speaking Spanish for a little bit, but mixed with English, and then German. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. It's But we're all together. We're all talking. We're we're all dudes. We're just all dudes and chicks and bands, man. We we fucking love the same shit, so we're always talking, like, oh, check this out, blah, 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 you know. Everybody should start a band. Yeah, dude. Everybody should start yeah. a band. And Everybody so, on the planet should just get together and jam with other people and go travel and jam with other people in other places. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like okay, here's... Have a life, dude. Like, you know, find fucking places that... Dude, <sighs> fuck, dude. Like, dude I think the days... I, th- like. I think we should just <coughs> embrace the way that the market has changed because one of the big things that I think bands are stressing about right now is... The market has tipped so much. It's always money. That well, and it's tipped so much to where there is more bands than there are venues and available resources, right? Yeah. So like basically it's, it's, the, the, the market is just flooded with bands, it's, right? It's money, dude. Like if you bring thousands of dollars to a venue, yeah. then you won't have that. So problem. I think I think like we should just embrace that there there like there are so many bands now and there's like just like just this inpouring of 
musical creation going on across the world I think and just that, embrace that and everybody playing a band and there won't be any wars anymore. Yeah. There won't be fucking like we won't need we won't need the demagogues. You know what I mean? Yeah, we won't, yeah, yeah, such we won't a need the time. dictators. You know, such a good time. It's touring. the best. Dude, okay. it, it, it makes it makes the world a smaller place for you. You know Just what I mean? See, yeah, how like other people like are processing like this whole shit happening here with like Trump and shit. Oh it's yeah. Like, see, seeing seeing the way the rest dude. of the world oh, dude, processes like, it. Yeah. They hate us, dude. They hate him, you know. It's like fuck. Yeah. 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 So it's a crazy time to be alive yeah, right dude. now. Yeah. Well, may we may we continue to live in interesting times for better or for worse. Yeah. At least yeah, it's I mean, interesting. overall it was like a great experience. I think it was yeah. great for Bricheros to to have that experience to fucking go out of, you know, go do a European tour and yep. you know, see how what it's like to do it all DIY, you know, cuz oh, yeah. every time I've been in Europe, dude, we like it's always do, you know, we had tour managers and shit. I mean, you know, we know what Yeah, we and don't roll that way. I've, I've heard there. some horror stories about doing Europe yeah. DIY, man. Yeah. Like it's rough. It's hard. You go you go to a place where you don't speak the language, you're, you know, yeah. again, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Yeah, and that's all we did, man. Like we didn't know a lot of these places. You got booked through friends, friends of friends and so forth, you know. Right. But they're all punk rockers, dude. So yep. they were like very cool, very good people. They always had a fucking meal for us, dude. Yeah. Most of the time vegetarian, you know, but fuck it. They just know. they just do it. They just do it different over there, man. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it was always good. It was always they always welcome us, dude. And fucking they had they, they're so nice. Yeah, 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 man. It was such a good experience. Completely. Yeah. Hey, uh, I really appreciate you coming Fuck in yeah, and talking dude, with me, man. Thanks for having me. Dude. Yeah, when fun. I when I ran into you with your daughter, I was just <laughs> like, I was like, man, we definitely need to catch up. I yeah, I've been dude. curious about what you've been up to, and I uh, I definitely think we should do a show together, and I'd love to see you around again. Yeah, dude. I mean, we're always out, dude, yeah. hanging out. Dude. So so where where can people find Los Bracheros? So Bracheros are on Spotify. Um, is the one with the llama, I think. Yeah, the llama. Yeah, and because uh, there's, I, we have another band. I think like now they're calling themselves the Bracheros, but I want to see proof. You're gonna have a Bracheros battle. They better have fucking brown skin, a blonde chick next to him, be married. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. And with that. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. I think we got somebody coming in, somebody good. We got Karen Kuda coming up soon. I'll keep an eye out for that one. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Love that's gonna Karen. be a good one. Uh, thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron Howell. Gordo. And we're here with Ruben Patino hey. from Los Bricheros. <laughs> Catch you guys on the flippy flappy. Later, dudes. Oh, oh no. I was in there 72 and a half years and I love the neighborhood, the people, and the stinker. I love it all. And I'm not
Listening to a mutiny transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 